and welcome to episode 95 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode, we're calling... Well, Jose, you came up with the title. Why don't you share? By all means, you say it. It's your thing. Fine. This episode, we're calling Keeping It Real. You. You. Yeah, we should put the you in the... No, but we're calling Keeping It Real because uh, we are kicking off the episode with Guitar Hero Live, which is all... Its whole thing is like, it's realistic now. It's more real. It's... What's their slogan? Um, it's about to get real. It's about to get real. And it got real because we were among the <laughs> Graphics can't get better than this. It's real life, literally. We were actually among a small set of people in the public that got to play the game already. We have gone hands-on with three songs, so we're going to be talking about that in the episode. We're going to actually kick off the episode Impressions that. on the swag they gave us? Yeah, they gave us good swag. We got a shirt, sunglasses, and a pin, but that... I lost my pin. And it was horrific, and it, it scarred me for the rest of my life. And we did not win an Xbox. Or a $100 gift card. Yeah. But we won memories. And good times. That's true. And impressions for this episode. But no, but beyond that, we have a lot to talk about as well. So um, it's funny because, like, in many ways, I feel like this episode's almost a yin to last episode's yang. In the sense that, like, last time we talked about a whole bunch of first-party Nintendo news because of the Nintendo Direct. And this time we're talking about a surprisingly huge amount. Well, not huge, but decent-sized amount of third-party news that for games are coming to Nintendo, which isn't that often anymore. So it's kind of cool to have... First party last time, third party this time. So, in addition to Guitar Hero Live and those impressions, we're also talking Lego Dimensions, we're talking Yokoi Watch, and some first party stuff with uh, impressions of Mewtwo in Smash Bros., our thoughts on Mario Kart 8's DLC that comes out next week, and, of course, at last, we have full impressions of Codename Steam. So, use the timestamps at com for this episode to jump around things that interest you, but we might as well start with the thing we actually got to play that isn't out yet, which is Guitar Hero Live. So, I don't... I don't know what it is about 2015. I don't know why, who, when it was decided that this is the year that Plastic Guitars must be making a comeback, but it's apparently a decision that was made universally because a few weeks ago Rock Band 4 was announced for Xbox uh, and PlayStation, not Wii U, and then Activision just this past week announced that they are coming out with a new Guitar Hero, and unlike Rock Band, it is coming to Wii U, and also unlike Rock Band, which is kind of a continuation of where the franchise left off, this is a complete reset, revamp, reinvention of Guitar Hero. I mean, the core gameplay is basically the same, but how they present it to you, everything about it is totally different. There's no longer five-color buttons on the guitar, there's no cartoony metal graphics anymore, like, metal, not chrome, but like, you know, metal music. It's a really smart decision. It, it kind of is. It's a lot more streamlined now. It actually looks, like, more casual-friendly. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, there's no real graphics at all, we should It say. feels more <laughs> like, um... It, I don't know. It kind of makes it look more like, um... The equivalent to karaoke now. Yeah. Like, than yeah. what it was before. Before, it felt like you were still playing a video game because mm-hmm. of the CG-rendered gra- the characters. But yeah. now that it's, like, live footage, it feels like... It's just guitar karaoke. Even though that's what it always was. Now it's more yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, I could picture, like... I don't know, places or even like karaoke bars, like even just yeah, having yeah. a TV there with guitar Yeah, because they used to have some guitar hero and rock band yeah. in some bars, and now, yeah, now you can have a karaoke machine and guitar hero. Yeah, it, it feels like it would fit in more. It's interesting because, like, it caused a huge stir online that this change happened. Because for those who don't know, basically, this is the most noticeable change is that there are no graphics in the normal sense. It's a first person's perspective of you on stage rocking out. So there's a band around you, the camera pivots around, there's the crowd. It, like, the camera bends down into the crowd when you go into the crowd. And it's all full motion video. It's like an early 90s, like, Sega CD game or something. But it's now. And um, what's interesting is that the the developers who did it, who are um, the guys behind DJ Hero, Freestyle Games, they argued that the idea was 
it's more realistic this way because it's real people, which is kind of true. And that by doing it this way, it makes it more of like an extension of the real rock experience, which I guess if that's what you're going for. But yeah, the, the way I got it is the same. The, the vibe I got is what you got, where it's like, no, this is a karaoke machine for a guitar, which yeah. isn't a bad thing, but it's not more realistic. In fact, it's almost the op like playing it when you're rocking with the band and you get into it you're like okay yeah there's my bandmate yeah there's the drummer hey drummer but that that's why i did it was very weird all the actors and people looked at me but uh when you're like when it does the crowd stuff it's so like i was saying like i feel embarrassed just playing it because it like it goes into a crowd and there's like one lady like one girl in the crowd who's just like like rocking out at you like up at you like singing along and you're like this is super weird because she's on the tv but it's like ugh, it just felt really kind of cringy but but it's that's a good way to describe it yeah like I, I don't know it just felt like they're it was so weird but when you're on stage and it's like the whole crowd and everything then it's okay because what uh, what they do is the crowd shots do look kind of cool they do it's, it's interesting what they did is they only filmed about two to three hundred people per set and then they digitally replicate them and they filmed it with a camera I was reading about this in an interview with Polygon they film it with a camera that they used uh, to film The Hobbit so what they do is they have a robotic camera that has preset motions and it will go spot by spot by spot, identical shots every time, but you can change what happens in the scene. So for The Hobbit, for example, they would do a conversation between The Hobbit and Gandalf and then film it a second time and then match the first and the second so the height differences are more noticeable. Because in reality, they're the same height. They're all humans. So for this, what they did is they did one sweep of the camera with the happy crowd and one sweep of the camera with the angry crowd. And then as you play, the game actually dynamically switches between happy and angry crowds. And there's like, they're holding up signs that digitally can be altered to say different things depending on what you're doing. It's pretty seamless. In the end, no, I don't know. Except. In the end, it felt like the character you were using was like hallucinating or like on drugs yeah. or something. Yeah, I was going like, to say it's pretty seamless, except the fact that when you switch, it's not like they like. They do a pretty. It can switch at any time, it's fully dynamic. So when you switch, at least what I noticed is there's like a very quick flash, like a, not even a flash, it's like a quick transition that you're like, oh, well, now they're angry. Like it's not like in the video game or in the CG version of the game in yesteryear where it was like, oh, suddenly they're just doing different animations because it's all one seamless video. So no, they can't just the, cut to someone in, who's in the old angry. game, people just booed. The animation stayed exactly the same the whole time. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. But either way, this one, like, I don't remember that. Because, no, they, they like, I guess they're throwing their hands in the air because they just they, don't care. Yeah, every, everything <laughs> did the same. Yeah, I remember. but, uh, yeah, it's weird because, like, it's one pan shot, so maybe they'll turn away and you'll see a drummer kind of look at you like, what are you doing? And then it pans back and now the crowd's angry. In those cases, it's natural, but there are time, there's a couple times, because I was going it's, from good to bad in the same song, where um, it'd just be almost like a flick and then it's like, oh, now they're angry. Like, I don't know. Okay. I It's like a very quick flash. It's weird, flash, it's weird it's that like you're a, saying that because I thought the exact opposite. Really? You didn't notice it at all? No, I thought it was way too obvious. Because, oh. um, I mean, when I noticed when the transitions changed, that it had, like, this kind of, like, dreamy... Yeah, it does, like, a, a, it, a did, it did, like, a, a flick a, yeah, of some sort. It, yeah. it, was, it didn't feel... I mean, like, it wasn't, like... It, did, it didn't feel fast. It was, like, maybe, like, a second of just, like, the whole, like, everything just kind of, like, blooms and it looks just, like, all fuzzy and weird and then it just, like, kind of goes back to normal and it's, like, oh, it's, like... That's worse, actually. Like, like, like when someone's having a flashback in a TV show, that's pretty much, like, what happens. I guess mine happened at moments when the camera was moving between the stage and the crowd mostly, so I didn't notice it as much. But no, I, I saw, I, I also saw. Um, I mean, you addition, did play one more song. Though, I mean, in addition so. to noticing it, like when I was um, watching you play, yeah. Um, I guess that's kind of what I was like looking at the most, like when the transitions yeah. are happening. So I probably set up more. Because I, I will say that when you're playing, 
much like a normal guitar hero, you're focusing on the note highway, as they call it, where the notes actually come in, and that is superimposed over this footage, and it looks fine. But when you're focusing on that, you accept the cringy moments when the like one lady in the crowd's like reaching up to you, like smack in the middle of the note highway. You don't really notice the background. I mean, sure, you'll be like, oh, yeah, there's the drummer, or hey, there's the keyboardist. But there's a lot where it's just like, oh, there's just movement back there, not really notice it. So that might be why I didn't see the bloom. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, I was doing, they had three songs to play. Um, they had Lie Em Up by Fall Out Boy, when, you, when We Were Young by The Killers, which is a great song, and uh, Gold on Ceiling by The Black Keys, another good song. Actually, so is Lie Em Up by Fall Out. They're all good songs. Point being, um, it's weird because The Killers, there's parts where it's synthesizer only, no guitar. When that happens, the note highway went away completely, and you're just watching video of your bandmate playing, and you're like, well, am I supposed to do anything? Like an old Guitar Hero, the note highway would stay there, and you'd be like, oh, okay, you're just waiting for the thing to kick back in. This one, it's like, it literally, like, turns off. You're just sitting there with your guitar, like, what, what do I, what, did I break it? I, I don't understand. I don't know if they'll fix that in the final one, but that one kind of caught me off guard. I didn't expect that. Yeah. The only but, other, I guess, downside to having a live action video, like, yeah. something that I kind of liked about the old way was yeah. um because they could make up characters like they had like i don't know i like looking at the different themes the how, how they got like more how the backgrounds got more extravagant later mm-hmm. like i remember toward the later stages there was like a giant like double like just like in the background yeah. just kind of like and they dropped item animations they're just like no there was just like some cool effects that that were just kind of there and then also i guess because of this they also can't have any kind of like special appearance characters like they had like you could play as like Slash or I'm blah, pretty blah, sure blah. that was a conscious choice well they still could they just do video with them because all these concerts were filmed by freestyle games yeah. and green screen like green screen spaces so you could bring in Slash but it they does... got sued like three times for doing that like Gwen Stefani apparently didn't want to be in there but somehow was so that might be why they're not doing it they're like eh, let's just stay away from I it. mean they also had fictional characters yeah. yeah 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 the bands that's another interesting thing is again we only played three songs and it was in this first person concert mode not the other main part of the game which we'll get to but what's interesting is when you pick the band, or on the menu, again, this is something in a demo, who knows what the real one will be like. It's like, do you want to play as this fake band, this fake band, or that fake band? Doesn't say the song anywhere on that screen. So I'm like, I guess I'll be the like Jettison Complex, or whatever the name of the band was. And then it's like, oh, okay, I'm playing Fallout Boy, sure. And it's the original vocal track for Fallout Boy with a fake band. So you're like covering it, but you're not covering it. Like, it's, uh, it's a strange dynamic. It's just, it's different to to say the least um i think my big concern with the video though is when you're playing you kind of touched on it things get extravagant there you know there's different characters different looks you can kind of swap them in and out what happens when you like playing the same song a lot are you gonna see the same video every time do yeah. they have four well, takes of the same thing from different angles it's funny because like them? people it seems to be like a concern but it was the same thing in the old gar- in the old guitar hero i guess it just seems more acceptable because it's it wasn't live video? And the th- no, no, the no, old but... Guitar Hero wasn't always the exact same clicks in terms of the cinematics. I mean, not cinematics, but like the, the, the Shaw of the Crowd, the Shaw of You, yeah, they only had like four or five variations, but they randomized how they pr- appeared. So at least it felt shuffled. This one is because it's from start to finish a full video, right down to the fact that when you start the song, you're not on stage. It starts with you backstage in a huddle, and then you walk to the stage, and then the guy's in the drummer seat, and he gives you like a little like finger point. That part nod. dragged on for a yeah, while. Yeah, it went for about 20 seconds, or maybe like that 10. No, nah, was it? Felt about 20. Because the one I did was long. Uh, like, but yeah, I just like, like they were like, sitting in the back, they were like chatting, and then some woman comes there, like, oh, we need you on the stage right now. Oh, uh, yeah. And but then that like, might they be go over there, purposes. and then. As they're walking over there, some guy like puts the guitar over your head, right. and he gives you like this weird look, and then you go on stage and. So. 
But but yeah, my point my point of that was from that moment until the end, where it actually shows you walking off stage as well. It doesn't just end; you walk back off stage. That's all one video. How many variations do that do they have? Unless they do the crazy bloom transition, like in the middle of the song, even when you're not performing differently. Like it just seems like it can get old a lot quicker than old Guitar Hero. But then again, as I also said, you don't really watch the background that much. Yeah, I usually don't really. Yeah. yeah, but the crowd, the whole like leaning into the crowd thing and having them jump up at you, I feel like that's gonna get old very quickly if it's always the same lady in the crowd or the same dude in the crowd who's singing along to Black Keys or whatever. The music actually really eclectic. They're not just doing guitar-driven stuff. They're gonna have Skrillex. They're gonna carry under. Well, carry under has guitars. They're doing more than just rock. They're gonna have EDM, pop, dance, country. It's they're trying to DJ hero it in that regard. It's almost like a it's like band hero more than guitar hero in many ways hmm. which is interesting but uh, that's only that's only part of what's different the other major difference with guitar hero which we should probably talk about this is arguably a bigger shake up in many ways is um, there's no longer a single row of co color buttons the note highway no longer has colors on them instead you have six buttons at the very top of the guitar neck three and three three white three black double stacked it's basically like you're doing chords on a real guitar you're not shifting down the neck at all. You're now shift. You're now just moving your fingers in different combinations on the top. Like, you're, what, like yeah. you're making chords. Exactly. And uh, the logic behind it, as or what they told Polygon at least, is they found that the old way of doing the difficulty, where it's like, oh, you're playing on medium, you use three buttons. Oh, you're now doing above medium. Enter the fourth button, and you have to reach for it with your pinky. A lot of people apparently had trouble with that. I know I kind of did because like my I'm just not very dexterous or whatever the word I'm looking for is with my pinky. So it'd be like, oh yeah, I can master medium and medium super easy. But the second I go hard, it's not even like, oh, it's harder. It's just like, oh, I have to use this finger that I don't have as good a precision with. So they're trying to address that with chords by just making the more the difficulty is you're using the same notes. There's just more of them coming at you. And that worked. I feel like it definitely. I mean, you went from you thought media or regular was too easy, and you jumped to advanced, and that was like noticeably way more notes. It, and it, it's all the same notes. It's just not only that, but it, 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 also just like having to switch between white and black is a learning curve for sure. Yeah. That was the other thing is that um, it took a little while to like click in, but it did kind of work once it worked. In the sense that the first song, I, it's weird because you're used to just having your finger in the middle of the guitar neck, but now it's like oh, you have to raise it to the upper half or lower half, and it, there's definitely a curve to that. Even the Activision rep was saying to me, yeah, it takes it usually takes me like a song or it took me like a song or two. But so I did, you know, line them up or whatever, and I botched all the black notes and nailed all the white notes because that's just where my hand was sitting. But then when I did Killers, uh, it was fine. Like I just, it just worked for the most part. But there's definitely instead of going left right, you have to get used to moving your hand up down, which is a bit of a different muscle memory thing. Because guitar here is a lot like riding a bike. Like once you know how to do it, you just know how to do it. But this one's kind of like, but what if the bicycle, instead of tilting it left and right, what if you tilted it up and down? What if you're trying to do wheelies the whole time and not move left or right? That's kind of like that sort of. It's like a different motion, but you have the same general feel of what you're supposed to do. So, so there's that. It's uh, For those that are cynical out there, you may argue that the reason they're doing this is not because it's better, but because it now requires a new guitar. This game completely cuts off past Guitar Heroes. Guitar Hero Live will not support any old instruments whatsoever, or DLC or anything. And the only way you're going to be able to play... even supporting, like, a mic and the drum kit? Nope. Strictly guitar. At least that's what they've announced so far. Mm. But how it works is come October 20th when the game comes out on Wii U and everything else, it's going to be 100 bucks for a guitar in the game, which is what they used to do the bundles at. But the difference is anyone that's ever played the game now has to start anew. So, I mean, honestly, once you get used to the black-white thing, it probably feels better, and it still feels like Guitar Hero through and through. There's no doubt that this is Guitar Hero. Like, it's not like you're playing, like, this is so radically different. It's definitely Guitar Hero in gameplay. 
Yeah. They just shifted the buttons around and then charged you $100. So, I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't know necessarily if I would um, immediately, like, immediately buy it on day one, but I could see it. I could see myself eventually playing it. Especially because they, uh, they mixed up, kind of like DJ here, you can't actually fail at a song. You will finish the song. The crowd may hate you for it, but they will not, you cannot fail. The logic being, it, kind of addressing what you were saying about karaoke, if you're singing karaoke, you don't fail karaoke. The song continues and then comes to an end, and people either go, wow, you were awful, or go, well, you recovered in the end. So now Guitar Hero is going that route, much like DJ Hero did. Hmm. So it actually, actually kind of cool. it, it really plays into your theory that it's basically karaoke for guitars. Yeah, I mean, it's not like if you're at a concert, like the performer just is going to start over. Like, actually, no, they're twenty times. No, we're not twenty times, but but hopefully, if you're at a concert, they don't play as badly as I was playing in Guitar Hero. But but yeah, I think I think it was very cool, especially if you're like almost done with the song, which is like the case in a lot of times. Like yeah, in, in the old Guitar Hero, where you're like almost done. Oh, and then like it's the really hard, and then yeah. like you barely like lose, and you have to start all over. Yeah, it's it's that's what I hated. So I'm actually really happy they're making this change. And there's one other aspect of the game that we didn't get to try that's probably worth talking about, and that's actually, I would argue, bigger than the first-person concerts. The first-person concerts are definitely the gameplay hook. Like, you know, that's why it's called Live. That's, it explains the video thing. It all makes sense. But the bigger gameplay that you'll probably be doing is do something called Guitar Hero TV. And this is where the online support and the multiplayer comes in, and it's basically a 24-hour in-game music video channel. Actually, I take that back. It's channels, plural. So, using a special button on the controller, which is above the neck, a little Guitar Hero like pick icon, uh, or maybe it's not above the neck. I thought I saw it there. But either way, you'll be able to, at any time, jump into one of these streaming channels that are going to be all music videos. Uh, you know, they're going to be stored. There's going to be like a popular channel, a popular music video channel, different genres, trending, I'm sure, everything like that. And all the videos will just play in their entirety, like you're watching them on Vivo or YouTube but have a note highway over them, and you're playing along. So again, kind of like you were saying, Jose, it's karaoke for a guitar. It's literally karaoke. It's literally It's basically like someone took a Pandora radio station. It's like, oh, you want to play along to this? Here you go. <laughs> and combine Pandora and Guitar Hero. Yeah, I mean, it actually makes some sense because that's the direction the industry is going in. Like, streaming music's the thing now. So it kind of makes sense to just be like, hey, you could stream any of this music and just play along. And it's all drop-in, drop-out multiplayer, online and offline. So you don't, you know, you, you jump in, the song starts, and you go, and you play, and then you stop when you want to stop, and it'll rank you based on, like, uh, the difficulty of the song, it'll rank you based on how you performed, it will match make, it'll do all sorts of stuff, and it's all just, like, instant, 24 hours, it's totally free, they're not doing a subscription service, there's no DLC, necessarily, at least not in this core version of it, and they're gonna keep rotating in new content and new songs as it's released, you know, after release, so it's gonna be kind of a cool thing. This almost interests me more than the live band fake concert video bit I mean I think it's kind of dumb that it's music videos because like you can watch those anywhere but the idea that you can play anything at any time and it's just kind of feeding them to like a radio station is actually kind of cool but, but I guess I mean obviously this isn't an issue right now but yeah like say I don't know 10 years from now some kids are like oh man we're trying to hear live let's go dig it out of the closet and play oh it. yeah nothing will work <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny. That kind of sucks. It's funny you bring that up because I made that point about something else uh, in our comments to the last episode. Uh, one of our regular listeners, Satoshi, brought up about DLC and how Nintendo's doing freemium now and that sort of thing. And I was like, you know what's weird? Like, you know what this made me realize is that we're at a point with uh, Nintendo games where they won't age the same way they used to. You can't. You could go back and play a Super Nintendo game and you have the whole game. You go back and play Mario Kart 8 and you better hope your hard drive didn't fail or else half the tracks aren't available. You go and play Pokemon Rumble World and you better hope you have a ton of time because the only way you can really progress that 
a normal clip is if you pay for the Poke Diamonds. And if you don't pay for the Poke Diamonds, well, sure, you can revisit Pokemon Rumble World, but expect to spend a month on doing what you can do in a day. So, like, it's just, it's weird that, and this is true of all games, not just Nintendo, but it's weird that, like, DLC and online play and servers and all that have made it where games can't be retro in the same sense they were when we were kids. Like, you can't have a friend be like, hey, have you played, like, Ninja Gaiden on NES? Let's just put, put it in and play. Now it's like, hey, have you played uh, Smash Bros. with Mewtwo? Oh, that's right, Mewtwo's on my other hard drive. Well, you can't play as Mewtwo at any time, because it's gone now. I erased it, sorry. But here's everything else about the game, even though Mewtwo is my, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it's so different. If I had to bring up retro, I feel like, I don't know why, it just feels like there's more, it's starting to feel like there's, like, so many, like, retro games now. Oh, well, there now were. there is, but, plus digital, it's so easy and cheap yeah. to download them and port them. I don't know, like, new retro games. Mm. It's dirt cheap to make, that's why. Yeah. The next bulb, the next wave is going to be uh, 3D platformers as retro games. Mark my words. Banjo-Kazooie well, style stuff. You mean, like, Had in Time? Uh, yeah, it's already happening, and but it's good. There's another one. Uh, there's, well, there's Platonic's Banjo-Kazooie spiritual successor, which is coming live soon. Oh, going on Kickstarter Ukulele? Soon. Yeah, Project Ukulele. Yeah, that's going to be straight. Or no, that one ended up being 2D, though, so never mind. Is it 2D or is it 3D? I don't, I don't remember. Remember. No, it's 3D. I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. But anyway, Guitar Hero. So, um, so yeah, I think I think the uh, I think the music video thing's cool, but yeah, I don't know if I like the idea of it just being videos. Even the concert mode, you still have an experience. Like, there's no experience with the video. It's just you're playing along to a video. So it's like you have to make your experience. Make it a drinking game or something in your apartment, and then maybe it makes sense. But just like, I don't know how many people are just going to go online by themselves and be like, I mean, I guess I'll play this Katy Perry music video. It's in front of me. Like, it just doesn't seem... I don't know. We'll see. But, uh... Yeah, some people just like to go through the tracklist song and just play that one song. But the thing is, you don't pick the tracklist. You pick a channel and it does it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because the reasoning behind the change to video actually makes sense if you stop and think about it. Uh, And I didn't really think about it, but Chris Plant, an editor at The Verge, did think about it and came to a kind of conclusion that I figured was worth mentioning. Um, Basically, his argument was that by using video, Activision is essentially making a game that doesn't need a console. In theory, you will be able to plug in the control, the guitar to anything, and since it's all running a video with an overlay, you can power it on anything that has a decent processor. You know, you could do it on your PlayStation, your Xbox, your Wii U, your mobile phone, your tablet. In fact, mobile phone and tablet versions have been confirmed by Activision, and they will be exactly the same as the console counterparts. Exactly the same, which is crazy for a mobile game. They kind of did it with Skylanders before, too. Like, Activision has this new strategy so of just making everything equal. So, you have to buy, like, a Bluetooth equal. guitar or something? I don't know. They haven't really discussed it. They just said it'll support it fully. Full game. So, but the idea is, like, it's doable because they're using video, streaming video. Not actually something on the console. And I I mean, I hate to be cynical, The streaming but... video, I wonder what that says about the, the synchronization. Or, like, how good it will be. It doesn't matter. Well, no, no, no. The overlay... Let me clarify. The video, the backgrounds are streaming video. They're not being rendered. The right. foreground with the note highway is you, is the game. So you need something with a bit of a processor. But all you need to do is say, okay, put a semi-transparent overlay of notes coming at you, and here are the notes you need to use, and that's it. Everything else can stream it. It doesn't matter if there's latency issues. Yeah, I guess it also Who cares why... if Maroon 5 skips two frames? I guess that also explain why the, the note highway is also just way more simplified, remember, yeah. before Guitar Hero just kind of made it more scavenging as time went on. You yeah. can like, customize... Like you can have a floral pattern, yeah. the, the amp meter, like with all electric and have like crazy mm-hmm. like bulbs and whatever. But. You know, honestly, I kind of it's funny because Guitar Hero now has the rock band aesthetic going on with like the super clean lines, super clean font. Mm. It's just kind of funny how they just sort of uh, lifted it like that. 
But but yeah, Plant's point, uh, Chris Plant's point, that is he was like, I don't think it's that crazy to assume that maybe in a year from now it'll be on web browsers. You plug in your guitar to your PC and you just play it. And that really, I know we talked about Pandora a minute ago, but that really, going even one step further. <laughs> Pandora that, wouldn't support Guitar Hero. Well, I mean, why not? Why not have Spotify have a built-in Guitar Hero? Hmm. They're already streaming music. They're already streaming video in some regards with ads. There's not nothing that crazy, and Pandora, and uh, sorry, Spotify has apps. There's nothing that crazy for Activision to, or it's not that crazy for Activision to, to just go like, hey, we'll give you Guitar Hero exclusively or something. Like, this is almost, do you remember when Rock Band came out that uh, Harmonix kept saying, oh, Rock Band's going to be a platform through DLC songs. We're going to support it for years and be able to download new songs, and that's why Rock Band 4 is cross-compatible, because it's a platform. I would argue what Activision's doing with Guitar Hero now, with, like, it's all just a video service, basically, that you're playing on top of, I would argue this is more of a platform. This is so platform agnostic that it could be anything, anywhere, anytime. Any device that can handle a note highway with a few black and white t- guitar pick icons on it can play this game. Hmm. And has good guitar support, of course. But And I hate to be cynical, but I feel like that might partly be why it's coming to Wii U. I don't think Activision's like, oh, we love the Wii U. I think it's like, oh, we can develop this for pretty cheap on Wii U and probably get back our money and then some in sales because we're giving them a video platform that has some notes on top of it. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. But, I mean, it's good that's kind of Wii U. Um, but but then again, maybe maybe Activision is turning a new leaf with Wii U because, um, I mean, we already get Skylanders every year. We're now getting Guitar Hero. And we might be getting Call of Duty again. So, uh, I know, there's always rumors of Call of Duty. A transition, man. Yeah, pretty good, right? Pretty good. Right. Yeah, if we're jumping from Guitar Hero to other rumors. Uh, but no, I was going to say there's always... Actually, before I get to Call of Duty, I'm going to backpedal transition. So, Guitar Hero. Yay or nay? What's the takeaway? Probably not going to get it. But we're, but it is basically... For anyone, because we, oh. we're in a special little pocket where we've actually played it. So, walking away from it, what was your gut feeling? Because like, we talked about all the inner, you know, the ins and outs, but kinda what's like your what gut I, feeling? Kind of like what I told that guy, like... Oh, the direct TV oh, rap. <laughs> after initial, after that initial, like, oh, the control feels weird, and you kind of get over it. It just felt just like Guitar Hero. Just felt like I never, like, I never left. Like I was like, oh, it's exactly like Guitar Hero. Yeah. And then that's it. Like, yeah, no, that, that's kind of my take. Because I originally got tweet impressions like, of it. Like, I guess I'm still kind of burned out of Guitar Hero. Like, it didn't it really for five years. Like, it, it still felt like, like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of... Yeah, no, I'm kind of in the same boat in that, and I wonder if that's why the internet reacted how well see people on the internet haven't played it but they're just assuming it's exactly the same but with video instead of cg and they're right (laughs) it kind of is the difference is i think the guitar actually is better with the current setup but i don't know if it's better you know the three on three notes but i don't know if it's better to the point where i'd say oh it's totally worth investing another hundred dollars in it's still guitar here like you said like walking away from it i was thinking like what should i tweet as impression and like i have no impressions it's exactly what it is it's guitar hero there's nothing yeah, I, that crazy Only, about like, it. diehard fans are really going to appreciate it. I think I think you were on some karaoke, though. Or, or people that just didn't have a Guitar Hero. Or... Yeah, no, but younger kids that never got into yeah. it. But you're you're totally onto something with the karaoke. I could totally see karaoke places having one or two of these. Because Guitar Hero is fun when you're drinking. I'm not going to lie. But, oh, yeah, like, uh, I'll play it. Like, if yeah. we're in a group of people, but... Yeah, but you're not going to go invest in your, yourself. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't even know if Elvis is going to get it. Because Elvis, he's our resident guitar dude but he likes real guitars although no yeah he he, 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 did he used to play the games yeah he was accepted at the games he oh. he would beat it at an expert like every oh. single level oh. huh but yeah it's it's like i feel like activision is probably like no the one of the few people that went and played it or some of the few people that went and played it are saying like it's whatever 
But I mean, it kind of is right now. We played three songs. Maybe that's why they only did very limited releases of the demo. Possibly. So that. But why even so that more words didn't I have, go around? I have to give them credit though. They did the demo. The game was announced Wednesday. It's we are recording this Saturday evening. That's how fast they turn. Or no, sorry, the game was announced Tuesday, and they had demos for the public in New York and LA by Saturday. Why don't more companies do that? It's brilliant. It's great because like. They get the word out, and then when there's early buzz for it, people go check it out and talk about it. In this case, there wasn't the right buzz. Like, I would definitely but... recommend it to all my friends that I know play Guitar Hero. Yeah, so guitar it's, at some point. it's good at what it does from the three no, songs yeah, yeah. you played. The problem is it's exactly what you expect it to do is what it does. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we only know... If, if you're a casual Guitar Hero player, it's probably not going to change anything. Unless, unless you're a type of guy that, like... Because, see, again, I feel like the, the Guitar Hero TV with the streaming stuff, that's 24-7... That could be kind of cool if you're just like, I just want to listen to some music, but I don't want to just stare at a wall. I might as well play along with, one, with the rock channel or the pop channel or whatever. Like that, that's kind of cool. Like it's like, I, I don't know. It's I think we're too early in the game to make a real, no pun intended, to make a real decision. But they said they're going to have more at E3 to talk about. Initial impressions though are, yeah, it's Guitar Hero. It's exactly what you think it will be, but with better button configuration. So anyway, with that said, now we can jump over Call of Duty. I ruined my transition because I already used it. But yes, yeah, so... We may be in Call of Duty this year. Um, every year it's rumored that Call of Duty is going to come to a Nintendo system. Usually what Activision does, for those who are out of the loop on this, is they'll go like, oh no, we have, we have nothing to announce at this time. And then like two weeks before the release of the game, they're like, it's coming, here's one screenshot, go buy it. <laughs> and it's like the worst marketing ever. Uh, they basically send it to die. Last year they made the one exception with Advanced Warfare and when the Kevin Spacey trailer came out, they pretty much the next day were like, are you kidding? That doesn't work on you. Nope, not happening. So what's interesting this year is it uh, it's for Black Ops Three. This that's this year's game, and Treyarch, the developers, are known to be Nintendo fans. They developed every version of Call of Duty for Wii and Wii U. Uh, so they, you know, I think there's only one on Wii. U. No, there's two on Wii U. There it goes. But yeah, so they know they know their stuff. They support Nintendo. So it's not that outlandish to think maybe this is the year it comes back. Cause they already have the experience and the passion and the caring. So what the rumor is. What, where this all came from is Activision started updating CallDuty.com to have Black Ops 3 trailers and teasers and other stuff. It's getting announced officially next week. Um, somewhere in there, someone claims they saw on the profile login screen, in addition to the ability to link your Xbox and PlayStation and Steam accounts, a Nintendo ID, Nintendo Network ID button. They had a screenshot, they shared it on the web. Who knows if it's real or not? But here we are, the cycle's beginning anew, and as of right now, there seems like there possibly could be maybe a chance that we're getting Call of Duty again. Mm. Which would be nice, because even if you're like, whatever, Call of Duty's, you know, dying, it's, the game sales are going down, they're getting repetitive, especially Black Ops 3, I mean, Advanced Warfare was unique, because it was in the future, now we're back in the present, what's going on? If, if you ignore all that. Well, it's a Black big Ops get. 2 was in the future, also. Yeah, but not in the same, like, near future, it was 2017, I think. Advanced Warfare was like, way in the future. Yeah. But so now they're coming back to like five years from now, but uh, supposedly. Um, but what was I gonna say? Yeah, but either even if you're like whatever, maybe I personally don't want it. This is a big get if Nintendo can get it because it signifies that the Wii U has actually turned a corner of sorts and is doing well enough that Activision is not just like, all right, we'll give you the kids game that sells well, and sure we'll give you the game that's cheap for us to port over. But look at this, we're gonna give you Call of Duty, we're gonna give you our crown jewel. Like if that happens, that. That's a noteworthy turning point for the Wii U. Doesn't mean the Wii U is going to suddenly be a runway success. Doesn't mean the Wii U is going to blow up again into what the Wii was. That's not going to happen. But it means Nintendo's actually recovered a little. So we'll, we'll see. It's being announced next week for presumably next gen platforms, maybe Wii U as well. But uh, 
We'll see what happens. It's still a big get, especially for the holiday season where we now don't have Zelda. If they could put Black Ops 3 on the shelf next to whatever Nintendo okay, does Call of Duty compete with Platoon? Well, that's coming out in a month. That's know, the thing. Yeah. It, by, by, by December, no one cares. The game yeah. industry has a very short attention span, which is unfortunate. With some exceptions, like Mario Kart Nintendo is able to keep it up with the DLC, same as Smash Bros., which we'll talk about later. But yeah, for the most part, it's a very short attention span in the industry. And and to be fair, it's not to say the Wii U isn't entirely out of third-party games this year. It's actually, I'd argue the third-party lineup is probably more robust this year than last year. Because in addition to Guitar Hero Live in October, which is already a pretty high-profile release, regardless of if you care that much about the game, it's still a high-profile release. We also now know that the Wii U will be getting Warner Brothers' Toy to Life Lego game, which is officially a thing now. It's officially called Lego Dimensions, and it's releasing before Dimensions? Guitar Hero. Dimensions, yeah. Did I say Dimensions? Yeah. Dimensions. Whatever, I was enunciating, I don't know. Lego Dimensions, and it's officially releasing on September 27th, so before Guitar Hero Live. That's actually a pretty packed fall without Nintendo's own games. So, um, for those of you who listen to us regularly... You may recall a couple of episodes ago, we discussed how cool it would be if, like, somehow the game could, like, you build something in real life and the whole thing transports into the digital world, and you can mix and match and do whatever you want. Well, you can't quite do that, because that's ridiculous and probably too crazy of an idea, but the developers at Traver- Traveler's Tale are trying to capture the mix and matching a bit. So what LEGO Dimensions will let you do, Dimensions, not Dimensions, what LEGO Dimensions will do is let you... Import characters, import objects, import vehicles using NFC Portal, which they're calling the um, Lego Gateway. And then from there, you can mix and match and use anything in any level at any time. You want Gandalf riding a Batmobile? Go for it. You can have him drive. That's actually one of the examples they gave in the press release. Like, anything is cross-compatible, which automatically makes it cooler in my mind than any other toy-to-life situation. Because Disney, Disney Infinity does let you do mix and matching of universes and whatnot in the toy box. But the toy box doesn't have objectives. It's literally a toy box. If you want to do any sort of mission, you have to stick to the one universe or two universes. So sure, there could be an, uh, an Avengers level. That's great. And there could be a Monsters, Inc. level. Okay. But you can't have Iron Man go to school at Monsters University. What you can do is put him in the same random environment and just let him sit there and do whatever they do. But there's no true mission structure that crosses over. You can create missions. You can create yeah, missions, but you have to be creative. And you can do really cool stuff. You can make a whole go-kart game in there. But still, it's kind of nice that Lego is like, yeah, take all the random crazy franchises and we'll mash them together. And they are really mashing them together. I mean, here's what we know. Much like Lego Movie, it's going to be a mishmash of everything that Warner Brothers has access to, what Lego has rights to. And so far, they've confirmed DC Comics, Lord of the Rings, obviously the Lego Movie, The Wizard of Oz, which is toy out left field, Lego Ninjago, and Back to the Future, also out left field, are all going to be available when the game... all have some sort of plug into the game right at the start. I wonder if it's going to be an Amiibo situation where it's going to be hard to find the Marty McFly. I toy. don't know. Uh, Lego's better at toy production, know, though. This is what they do. Because I know when they looked up... I was looking for them in store, like on the website. Mm-hmm. On the store websites, and they were sold out already. That fast. Which is insane because Lego... Lego's a toy company. Nintendo's excuse with Amiibo, I feel like, that they can actually carry you know carry some weight is we don't know what we're doing we don't make toys anymore help us please we're desperate lego's the number one toy company in the world as of sometime in 2014 if they can't supply these correctly who can like that makes no sense like this is their big high profile thing for the holidays if they botch this when it's their sole product like i don't know i don't know how that would work 
And the thing is, it's not just those franchises. Also coming in 2015, there were, much like Amiibo, they're doing waves. And they have some photos, like really tiny photos and trailers and stuff of, like, you know, rows of figurines. Like, oh, upcoming waves. And some people zoomed in, enhanced, de-blurred. Rotated. Rotated, cropped, uh, switched it to inverted colors just because. And they found what looks like Simpsons Legos. They saw Homer and Krusty in there and Scooby-Doo Legos and Portal weaponry. The portal gun. Hmm. So if that's the case, this is like the coolest mashup of everything. Like this is cooler than the Lego movie in terms of how crazy the mashups are, if that's the case. And again, you can swap them any which way you want in the game. Literally Lego movie the game. It is. And Not, that's that's what I think it's and really that was an actual game too. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Lego movie, the video game. But uh yeah, I think that's actually the, probably this thing's biggest strength is the fact that it is not just, oh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, you play this Lord of the Rings level and then go follow the Yellow Brick Road in Wizard of Oz. It's like, oh, yeah, have the the one ring at the end of the Yellow Brick Road. Why not? Like, it's a total hodgepodge of pop culture. It's like Comic-Con in a video game. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I think that's kind of cool. And depending on uh, the franchises you're interested in, uh, it's naturally going to determine which expansion packs you buy. As you said, the Mario McFly one's very hard to get. And there's no official pricing here in the U.S., for the expansion packs it seems like they're gonna be around 15 based on european pricing but word out of europe that's a little more concrete is that uh we're looking at the starter pack at being at about 100 so same as the guitar hero live kit and the starter pack if you were to get it comes with lego batman lego gandalf wild side from the lego movie and also a batmobile lego wild batmobile side? yeah the girl oh wild side. did i say wild side i meant no. wild style yeah i meant wild style i've seen the movie i love the movie <laughs> i just misspoke I actually have it written here as Wild Style, in fact, so take that. <laughs> and uh, you still said Wild Style. I know, because I'm not fully reading it. These are just notes as I go. And to be clear, I don't actually read. I know. I don't have a script. They're just notes. But anyway, um, yeah, so in addition to that. Random Nintendo Podcast, everyone. What? <laughs> I said Random Nintendo Podcast. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, uh, also it comes with the NFC Gateway, which you build yourself. That's the one thing you get really build. And that's where a lot of people stop. Yeah. And, um, and it also comes with, I think I said Lego Batmobile, right? Yeah. Oh, and the game. Of course, it comes with game two. So that's all 100 bucks roughly. And then the expansion packs are going to be all sorts of weird... Expansion packs are weird for this one because it's not like Amiibo where it's like, oh, you get the figurine. And it's not like Disney Infinity where it's like, you either get the toy or you get the little disc that expands the objects. It's like a weird jumbling of stuff. So if you, for example, Back to the Future has a level pack that comes with Mario McFly figurine and then in-game levels. And uh, then there's the Lego movie set, which comes with four figurines. But I don't know if it, I don't think it comes with in-game levels, and that one's called the Fun Pack. So there's like all these different configurations that's gonna drive parents crazy. And it's probably worth mentioning, in addition to embedding the characters in the game through NFC, you know, through the portal, it will also import objects, it'll import weapons, it'll import levels, it'll unlock new content, new missions, new modes. So this is like Amiibo and Skylanders, really. It's all of the other Toy to Life stuff just smushed together into this ball of like you're buying physical things to do everything, have fun. But, but it does look kind of cool. So, I don't know. I think to me, the real question becomes, when is this bubble going to burst? When will the toys or, Toy to Life thing exceed, you know, get too big for it? Is it too big to fail? Will it be too big to fail? Because the thing is, like, it's fine that we were talking about the music games earlier because those at their prime in, like, 2011 or whatever, 2009, 2009, those made $2 billion in a single year. And then a year or two later, they made like zero dollars. They fell so fast. It's like a video game crash of just the music genre. There's and I feel so like toys so much to... plastic. <laughs> I know, right? Like you go to GameStop, like they're you. They have like a huge used section of like 
Skylander than the yeah. Infinity Toys. Yeah, and remember, we were at Toys R Us earlier today, and there are two entire aisles, floor to ceiling, just Amiibo and Skylanders and Disney Infinity and now Lego. Like, it's got to be insane. So I, I don't know if it's... I don't know if the toys are in the same boat as the music genre stuff because toys have a dual purpose of, you know, being toys. I think, like, Amiibo and and maybe Skylanders and maybe Disney Infinity are more likely to fail quicker if they are to fail or the bubble will burst faster because they're not actual toys. They're figurines on stands. So, yeah, a kid can play with them, but not in the same way as a Lego where, yes, you buy these Legos and you can scan them into the game, but they also are fully functional Legos they can use with your Legos. Like, they are real dual-purpose. Here's a toy that also has a thing for your game, opposed to, here's a physical Mario that's mainly for your game, but if you want to put him on a shelf, he looks pretty snazzy. So I, I don't know if the bubble's going to burst. I actually have no idea. But I feel like if toys are probably the least likely to have it happen, but it's bound to happen, right? Everything's a fad in some way or another. Oh, like, yeah. when's this going to burst, and what's going to happen to all this stuff? Like, it's just so crazy. Like, is Lego the final one? Is, could there be a fifth? Could... I don't even know who would do it. Could... Could Warner I Brothers? Disney, I was gonna say Warner Brothers, but they are the Lego game, basically. But could I like I wonder if they Looney Tune Legos? That would be kind of cool. I, they could. I mean, they're publishing the game. It's Warner Brothers Interactive. Yeah. But like, what if what if like Hasbro said? Oh, Hasbro they, is doing it. They have the Angry Birds tripods or whatever they're. I think Looney Tunes were after the Lego Movie. They were. Yeah, I don't even think they were. Are there Lego Looney Tunes? I don't even think those exist. No, I don't think so. Well, that's a marketing opportunity. Maybe they'll do it for one of the anniversaries. Well, Looney Tunes uh, haven't exactly been like occupying the TV space in a huge way lately. That's it's just, true. It's just reruns. I mean, they have the Looney Tunes show, which is just like a sitcom. True. But you don't really hear much buzz, even in Comic Con. Well, yeah, that makes yeah. They're, they're like on like on the. I think they're rebooting like, it. Though. Like, Aren't like, they doing a new show this year or next year? No, I remember hearing about they, that. Or is that what the current sitcom one is? Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I think they just keep updating it for new seasons. But mm-hmm. I feel like the. They put more buzz for Teen Titans Go than they do for... Because superheroes. Comic-Con superheroes yeah. make sense. But, but yeah, well, I mean, just going back to the toy life thing for a second, I guess the other side of the coin, because I'm like, oh, the bubbles go burst, maybe the other side of the coin is the opposite happens. Maybe kids that are growing up with all this stuff now will expect every toy to have a digital component. You know how, like, when we were kids, and it's like, are you playing reg- with reg- Regular toys now are going to have... Right, mean, like, the, right. The current um, line of Transformers that goes with the TV show, I think it's called Transformers Robots in Disguise, uh-huh. All of those toys are compatible with an app, like a game app. Same with old Lego did this already. Lego Dimensions is their second stab at this. They've done an app that works with Legos as well. Yep. And Angry regular... Birds has the tripods that work with the toys. Except this the is game. just a sticker. Like they're just regular Transformers, but like their Autobot right. logo has like something that you scan with the app. Right. And it's like. But yeah, I, I, I wonder if when like in like five years, kids are gonna be. You know how like when we were kids and we looked at like a Slinky or a Yo-Yo, and we're like, I, well, I guess that's a toy. Has sure, it already, has it already been five years since Skylanders is in its fifth year? Yeah, wow. yeah. But it's just like it's weird to think that toys may have to have a digital connection. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not bubble burst. Maybe it's now old school toys are gonna die because you need to have a digital component. Everyone's gonna have a video game aspect to their toy. The only toy that are just gonna be toys are gonna be the collector toys. That yeah, are, like the ones like they have. That yeah, well, just... I mean, it's it's kind of happening. The fact that Toys R Us is selling 1995 Power Ranger movie exclusive figurines, limited edition, that are just figurines. Like they're clearly going after people that just want to collect opposed to play with. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a huge shift for the toy industry, and I think I think the fact that Lego is doing it now, the biggest toy company, that says a lot. That says an awful lot. That does say a lot. It does. But yeah, so that, that's kind of it for the Wii U side of the news, unless there's anything else you want to say about Lego. But I think like we covered it. We actually don't know much about the gameplay. I'm sure we didn't even talk about the game. 
it's basic from what we've seen, which is not much. It's mostly Joel McHale building a Lego thing and having a conversation with a CG Lego man, or three. Uh, it looks like it's basically what old Lego games are, like that sort of mission structure, but the open-endedness as well. And that's kind of what Traveler's Tales and Warner Brothers is saying, but we don't actually know everything. So I imagine much like Guitar Hero, we'll learn a lot more at E3. Uh, but pivoting away from the Wii U for a bit, um, the 3DS also got a fair share of third-party news these last couple weeks. Um, one thing that there's not really much to say, it's just worth noting, is Unity Engine is now coming to the new 3DS and new 3DS XL. And for those not familiar with Unity, that is what powers many, many, many Wii U eShop games. So expect a huge explosion of indie stuff coming to 3DS, more even more so than there is currently. I know some indie developers are already saying they're going to start working on games that they're just kind of sitting on their hands with because they don't know what to do. But now that they have Unity, so we can see Wii U ports, we can see brand new stuff, we can see ports of Steam games. It's going to be a lot easier. So keep an eye out for that. But what we're really going to talk about this episode is some actual games that are actually coming that have actually been announced. First of which is Monster Hunter spinoff. A Monster Hunter spinoff for the 3DS. Yep. So over in Japan, Capcom announced this game called Monster Hunter Stories, and it's a more traditional RPG set in the Monster Hunter world. Uh, it's basically... It kind of reminds me of what Dragon Quest Monsters was to Dragon Quest. Like, Dragon Quest was an RPG, and then Dragon Quest Monsters was like the Pokemonization. Not the... Like, kind of hopping on that bandwagon. And this one is kind of standard. It's like you have the the traditional game, and then oh hey, here's a cel shaded one with cutesy anime like overlays on all the graphics. The monsters are scaled down a little, so they look more like chibi. I'm not saying I'm not trying like bad mouth here. I think you gave me this look like I'm trying. Oh to no, mm-hmm. I just saying it's interesting that like it's very similar to what Dragon Quest did in the late '90s, with, and then again with on the DS with Monster or Dragon Hunt, Dragon Quest Monsters, and now Monster Hunter is doing it with Monster Hunter Stories. Uh, what's interesting though is it's been in development for five years or designed oh. for five years. And all we know, we know nothing about the game except that you're not playing a monster hunter, you're playing a monster rider. And the game's going to explore the dynamic between the riders and the monsters. To me, it sounds like you're rounding up a bunch of, bunch of monsters. Train your po- monster hunter. Yeah, it's basically how to train your dragon plus Pokemon, is the impression I got from the trailer. You even have a cute sidekick cat, which is kind of like your equivalent of Pikachu. Well, I mean, you already have sidekick cats. But it's like, yeah, but the way they... Pre- you can even dress up. I guess That's I should funny. reword it. The way they presented it in the trailer, which is totally an animation, no actual gameplay... From what I can tell, is uh, the cat's basically your Pikachu. Like, it's helping you, it's running along. I mean, I know it's like that in the real game, but they really framed it like, here's you and here's your Pikachu, except it's one of the cats. Again, nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of interesting that they're doing this. You know, um, they had another spin off game that was solely about the cats. Did they really? Yeah. What was it for? PSP. You, what was it called? I don't remember, but you just play as cats in like, you know those pins that they gave you? Yeah. Know, with that game, they all yeah. look like that. Right. And, um,. They, they look, yeah. What are the cats called? Feline? They have an actual name. Flyly? Feline? Foot? Foot? Patty goes? Sure. <laughs> that works. Felines, yeah. And, um, yeah, it looks like Animal Crossing, basically. Mm-hmm. Except your cats. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. It came with yeah, a pur- for original PSP, right? Yeah, it came with a purple PSP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did alright <laughs> in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But, um, yeah, I mean, as a Monster Hunter fan, Jose, you probably have more thoughts on this than I do, but what... I mean, A, would you be interested in something like Like, you like Monster Hunter because it's Monster Hunter, and you like Pokemon because it's Pokemon, but are you interested in seeing Monster Hunter kind of dabble in, like, a Dragon Quest Pokemon old-school RPG thing, or is this kind of like, eh, it's stupid that they're slapping this on top, or, like, what's your, what was your gut reaction when you first saw that this was happening? I don't know, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool, just like a different game in the universe. That's, pretty That's probably the best reaction. I was worried, because I know some people online, like, I saw, most people were excited, but I saw some tweets and stuff where people were like, 
why are they ruining Monster Hunter? It's like they're not. It's a spinoff. What, what, just know, go play I mean, it. I mean, it's not <laughs> affecting the core games either. So I mean, yeah. I remember um, I was on the phone with Elvis when we were watching it. Uh-huh. And we were watching the trailer, and he asked me if I was gonna get it. And I remember turning on just um, like well, I was like, oh, I thought, oh, this is probably not gonna come to the U.S. So like, oh, it will. So I and so I'm like, probably not. Like or probably like like it doesn't seem like something I'll miss. Yeah. Like if it doesn't come here, but that's all. Like oh, but if it comes to the U.S., like I'll I'll get it for sure. It's coming to the U.S. No, no, it is. Yeah, I saw the tweet. Well, oh, they confirmed it. I was just saying gut feeling. They confirmed it. Yeah, it was confirmed not long after. Like they they tweeted out like yes, Monster Hunter. Oh well, here's why I was saying it was before I knew it actually was. Um, Monster Hunter Four Ultimate is doing extremely well for Capcom. They have shipped over a million copies to the West, which is a new record for the franchise. So and that was in a month. So yeah, they'd be dumb not to bring it over. I mean, they have a freaking roller coaster at Six Flags Magic Mountain, modeled after or themed after a Monster Hunter monster. Now, like it's a big franchise. It'd be be foolish for them not to bring it over. I remember hearing a rumor that, or just something that it was going to come to Wii U, for Ultimate. Yeah. There, I remember they dispelled it, or they said nothing to announce at this time. Yeah, I don't know a what, while ago. I'm trying to remember what I saw, but it was there was one a while ago where it's, it's, they it's, put it's, the wrong logo on a banner at an event. In Latin America. I just, well, I just remember seeing the Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate logo with an HD we, next to it. Oh, that sounds like it could be real or it could be a prank. I feel like I it's know. probably a prank because they didn't call the third one HD when it was on Wii U. Wait, it was on Wii. No, it was on Wii U. Yeah, it was on Wii U. Well, they didn't was, call it HD. Yeah, that was just Ultimate. Yeah, but they also they released do, it on 3DS. Oh, no, no, but they do call them HD in Japan. Oh, maybe then. Time will tell. I mean, they'd be smart too. It's a big franchise now. Although I don't know if it would sell as well on Wii U. That's probably why they didn't do it again. I mean, I'd probably get it just so that I could play. Because assuming it's just like Monster Hunter Three Ultimate, yeah. you could like transfer your file between consoles and like do that. Right, right. But I don't know, they're probably better off just waiting until they could release Monster Hunter Five or something. Like yeah, that. that would make sense, and then do a dual release if they yeah. choose to like, even go that like route. Like, I think they're coming out with a game for PS3 and Xbox right now. Monster Hunter Frontier. Wait, wait, wait. PS3 and Xbox 360? No, oh, sorry. PS4 and Xbox One. Xbox One, yeah. Oh, Frontier, yeah. 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 Which yeah. is just, I mean, I guess that looks cool just because, like, oh, actual, like, really good graphics. Right. But it's also not really the same game. It's almost like, isn't it more kind of like a, not, I don't want to say Dark Souls, but, like, yeah, it's, like a, it's more that vibe. Like, Bloodborne, Dark Souls. Yeah, it's like a... It's, event, it's, it's survival. Like a, yeah, it's not as, um definitely not the same it's not as classic rpg ish not even classic rpg that's the wrong word classic hunting genre they made their own genre with this thing so yeah not only did they make their own genre but then a bunch of other people started ripping it off even sony has a first party one for oh yeah and ps4 i forgot what it's called but it's not bloodborne no no bloodborne is sony's answer it looks it looks almost exactly the same except this one it's like has way more over the top stuff yeah like that game goes like way over the top yeah, and this one tries to stay more Somewhat grounded. grounded. Yeah. yeah, as far as like, oh, you can't do like super crazy like combo where you like start flying around and like, right, right. It's not as uh, stylized. I think is the yeah, best way to basically. describe it. Yeah, everything is like like oh, real, yeah. realisticish. And as far yeah. as the, as far, yeah. the, as far as the animation goes, and like what you can do, like they actually make the sword like super heavy, and mm-hmm. you're limited. Right, right. But yeah, either I'm They're curious. Cool, to, I'm huh? curious to see if they transfer that over to to the RPG though. Like, is Monster Hunter Stories gonna just be like, hey, it's like a you know a cute chippy RPG? We'll just do we'll you know do the same type of like wackiness as any RPG of that sort. Like Monster or Dragon Dragon Quest Monsters. Why are so much trouble saying that game? Like that game definitely was like yeah whimsical. Like I wonder if they're gonna go whimsy with this or if they're gonna try and keep it grounded because that is sort of a well, signature of the core game. 
Yeah, because the accordion is pretty whimsical and silly. I mean, it is, but it, like you said, it's grounded. Like, it's not like you can do, like... Oh, no, I mean, gameplay-wise, but, like... Yeah, every, I, mean, I meant gameplay but, but everything else is tongue-in-cheek, like, the cats, like, you could... They're definitely there just for, like, comic relief. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually clarify with the whimsy thing. I meant, like, the thing, like, oh, air combo for 20 minutes. Oh, like, it's just like, whoa, let's mm-hmm. just go crazy. Yeah, whimsy wasn't the right word, you're right. But, um... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder which, sure how they're gonna do it. Yeah. Time will tell. I'm sure we'll see it at E3. That seems to be the running theme this episode. We'll see more at E3. Uh, the other... I guess the other big uh, story for 3DS is actually kind of a nice bridge between our coverage of third-party news and first-party news, like Nintendo's own games. And that's that the uh, the announcement of Level 5 bringing its hit franchise Yokai Watch... Yokoi? Yokai? Yokai, I think. Yokai Watch uh, to North America and Europe. And Nintendo themselves will be handling publishing duties for the 3DS games in both territories. Uh, it's very... It's going to be a very Pokemon-style, full onslaught, merchandise, you know, uh, anime, manga, everything. So already, Viz Media has announced that they're going to be publishing a Yokai Watch manga here in the U.S. in September. Hasbro's handling the uh, merchandise, all the toys, which will be coming in 2016. And now we have Nintendo handling the games. They're kind of playing by the Pokemon rulebook here, and it makes sense that they're prepping for something big in Japan. Yokai Watch has already sold over 7, seven million copies Whoa. as a franchise. And it's only been out for like a, three years? Two years? Three years. So you can see why they're doing this. And it's kind of funny because they're they're really like taking a page out of the uh, Pokemon playbook. But, um, and Pokemon that's probably because... Pokemon has been used a lot in this episode. It has. And, you know, at least with Yokai Watch, maybe more so than anything else we've talked about, it makes sense because it really does seem like Pokemon. Here's basically... I mean, basically Nintendo... When they first announced Pokemon, let's start there. When they first announced Pokemon in the 90s, they put out a press release or an announcement or whatever that's basically like, hey guys, get ready. We got toys. We got anime. We got train cards. We got a game. And we're telling you, this thing's going to be big. So just just get get ready. And a lot of people said, nah, this won't be big. Nintendo's wrong. And then it blew up and it was the biggest thing for years. This press release for your Kai Watch was literally like, hey, uh, don't mind us. We're just going to launch the next major Pokemon-style multimedia franchise here so if it's cool you know we're gonna have merchandise we're gonna have games um we're not gonna tell you when we're not gonna tell you which games we're just letting you know that's happening so just sit back we'll go we'll go ahead and tweak the logo but not give you any information so just you know make sure you're mentally and physically prepared for the onslaught that is coming that is your watch and that's literally the whole press release they did not do anything like they didn't tell us any real information um or anything like that really and it's been out in japan since 2013 there we go it's so it's, it's two years old and we don't know which game it is, but I would assume it's the original game from 2013 that they're bringing over. I doubt they'd jump in like a sequel. Uh, and the thing is, in Japan, I know I said it sold 7 million copies, but I don't know if you realize just how big this is. In Japan, it not only has had an original version and a sequel, but they're about to release a, du- a dual pair of spin-offs, like a two-version thing like Pokemon does, called Yukai Watch Busters, which riffs on Ghostbusters because it's about ghosts. And then on top of that, they just announced both a uh, crossover game with Romance of the Three Kingdoms, which is a popular Japanese RPG series, and a full Yokai Watch 3, which is coming to 3DS in Japan sometime, I think, in 2016. So, that's going on there. Oh, and the weird thing about Yokai Watch 3, guess where it's set? Um... Think what exotic... It's set in the United States. What place would an internationally made game be set in the United States? What would be a cool place to go discover ghosts? New Jersey. You're close. St. Petersburg, Florida. That's where the game's set. Someone in Japan, someone at Level 5 in Japan was just like pointed at a map and be like, 
that looks good. It's kind of near Disney World, but not really. But yeah, it's um, I don't know why it's set there, but uh, it's a huge franchise. And like I said, in addition to all these games, it has an anime. It's a real multimedia onslaught. It has toys. It's a big multimedia onslaught. Japan's good at this. They have what they call transmedia properties, where they very specifically launch multiple aspects on multiple mediums, all basically at the same time. So, you know, they roll out the game, then a month later they have the anime, then a month later they have the toys, and then you're just bombarded from every angle with it. And next thing you know, you like your Kai Watch, whether you want to or not. You are now liking it because it's literally inescapable. So, <laughs> that leads to the question, though, of well, what is it? Wasn't it, like, you catch go yeah, watch? pretty much. Yeah, uh, Sutra did a nice little explainer of what it is for people that don't know. And we'll summarize it here a bit. I mean, Jose, you did probably the best summary of it. It's Pokemon with a watch and ghosts. But just to elaborate a little more, um, we'll link, first of all, if you're curious about like the full backstory of it, check out the Sutra article. We'll link to it in the blog for this episode, episode 95, ramtime.com. You can grab it. But uh, basically, at its core, yes, it's Pokemon. You play either a boy or a girl, and you have a special watch that you use to see spirits in the world around you. They're not ghosts. They're not, they're not um, creatures, necessarily. They are a riff on j- traditional Japanese folklore which has its own thing called sim- a similar name of yokai. And uh, basically, they just in- inhabit the world around you. And instead of just going out and catching a Pokemon, you are now seeing them on your watch and being like, I'm going to befriend that inanimate refrigerator who secretly has a spirit. And then, boom, your refrigerator friend joins you. And I, mean, I don't think they're the refrigerator. They have a cat, though. He's like a Pikachu. Uh, or like the monster. I was trying cat. to find the, the, the tweet that I was looking for. That's why I was on the oh, yeah, yeah. Um, about Yokai Watch, I guess like they were. It was just a, a comment on the localization and how like names have to change to yeah. for the U.S. Yeah. And uh, I forgot what the, the the kid's name is in Japan, but I guess like his name got changed to like something very generic. Like, oh, his it, name's like Nick. It's, yeah, it's like Steve Adams or Nick Adams. It's Nick Adams. Something Nick, like that. Nick Jones? No, Nick Adams. I think it's yeah. Adams. Okay. Yeah, it's. I don't know why they did that, but yeah, it's it's just like so the. Yeah, I think all the other stuff is staying Japanese though, because I mean they're calling it Yokai. I don't even. That's another page hey, out of the Pokemon if, if, if playbook. If you're keeping Yokai, you might as well keep all. Might as well call Satoshi or no Satoshi's not really. <laughs> I was gonna say Satori, like Satori Water, or just or keep Shigeru. his regular whatever name he has first. I think yeah. it's like Aniki or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, that works. But anyway, yeah. So you're going through the game and you're finding these spirits, and then guess what you do with them? You collect them and you battle them, Pokemon. But of course, like any RPG, it can share a core concept and elaborate it. You know, make it its own through how the battle system works, through how the exploration works, all that, and that is where it differs. And clearly it's a winning formula because they're on like the third game in Japan already. So it's coming. It's going to be big. It's Pokemon if Pokemon has a special watch. That's the takeaway. Um, you know, kids are going to be rocking that watch accessory when it comes out. But that leads to an interesting question. Because, well, one, we don't know where it comes out. But when it does come out, will it work in the same way Pokemon does? Nintendo's really hitting all the marks in terms of the, like making sure... Or level five, really. Is when hitting all the marks being like, alright, we got to get all our ducks in a row to mimic Pokemon and we have them we have you know we have the the storytelling aspect it's a manga instead of an anime this time for now but I'm sure the anime will come we have the toys it's Hasbro just like with Pokemon back in the 90s we have the game with Nintendo like everything's lined up as it should be but the key difference is besides the lack of a training card game the key difference is that Pokemon was like nothing else when it came out when it came to America there I was reading it's in the history of like Nintendo bringing over Pokemon a lot of American companies Hasbro and whatnot were like whoa Nintendo um, we want to we want to help you with this we want to support it we want to make toys you might want to redesign your fat rat mouse electric mouse he's a little chubby you might want to like change things you might want to Americanize it and Nintendo's like nah just let's see what happens 
and they reluctantly said okay, and then it blew up. Since then, anime. Well, yes, actually, it's kind of funny. He 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 went anorexic, but no. Since then, um, America's really embraced Japanese culture a lot more. I'd argue anime is a much bigger thing among kids. Kids are familiar with the anime look a lot more. The idea of collecting and capturing monsters has happened multiple times over. Because you know, after Pokemon, Digimon did its reinvent. Well, that was in tandem, but Digimon cashed in on the Pokemon thing with its reinvention, and it became a big thing in the U.S. Monster Rancher had a show in the U.S., which again was kind of Pokemon-esque. Like all these things, like God, catch them on Metabots. Remember that game? Yeah. Uh, like there were so many, like get all the monsters, collect all the monsters, games, and none of them were able to hit the peak that Pokemon was at at the time because even Pokemon Mega Man kind of like jumped in on that yeah. with the .exe series. Yeah, exactly. Everyone was. There doing were like two it. different versions. Yep. I don't. You don't really collect monsters, but I guess you collect chips. Yeah, you're doing chips, but but like everyone was cashing on it, and it, what was once a really unique idea which was pokemon has been kind of watered down diluted and now all the unique ideas are other things like minecraft or angry birds when it came out like does your koi watch i mean granted kids aren't the same kids they were so like you could probably pitch this idea to a 10 year old and kind of get a similar reaction to when we were 10 but maybe not to the same extent because they do know pokemon pokemon's still a thing like that it's almost like they're lining this up to be like hey there's this thing we're going to make our own version of this thing and hope you like this thing better than that thing. But we actually own both things. So either way, either way. But it's just, I don't know if it's going to be quite the massive, massive, massive success that Pokemon was. I, well, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll eat my hat if it turns out to be. But no, but seriously, it's like they're billing this as like the next big thing. It's kind of like, well, there have been like seven versions of this concept of big thing with monsters and collecting. And none of them were as big as the initial one. So maybe Nintendo's expectations aren't as high. Maybe that's why the anime hasn't been announced. Or level five's expectations, I should say. But For localization, right? Nintendo's doing localization, yeah, and publishing. Yeah, but level five owns the property. But I, I'm just wondering, like, could will it do as well? <laughs> like, it'd be interesting to see. And I don't, they didn't even say if the game's coming out this year. I think they say it might be coming out this year, but everything I've seen also indicates maybe 2016. So who knows how long we'll have to wait? But it's definitely like they're following the book of Pokemon quite well. But I don't know if they're following it too closely or not. I want it to be a success, not just because a another hit game for Nintendo in level five, but more to the point, the three DS could use another major franchise. And level five probably needs convincing to stay as a Nintendo supporter a bit. Because I don't know if you heard about this, but um for better or worse, level five decided to kinda pivot away from the three DS for some of their biggest games to date. Uh they had their Vision twenty fifteen conference last week, two weeks ago in Japan, and they announced that uh, Leighton and Fantasy Life, two of their very big properties, are going away from Nintendo and away from the 3DS and to mobile. And what's tricky about that is like Fantasy Life here in the West is like whatever, like, but Leighton is basically a Nintendo property in the West. He could have been a Smash Bros. character. He could have. Like he, Nintendo had published multiple games. They've all been pretty successful. I mean, the sales tapered off a little, but the first ones were huge. And then Level 5 is like, yeah, so you know how you helped us with like six latent games? That's great. We're going to put the seventh one on a mobile phone. Oh, and by the way, it's really not latent except anything in name, but we're calling it seven anyway. Like, don't well, expect Well, there was any... already a latent game only for mobile. Right. Latent Brothers? Spinoff. Yeah, spin-off. This one, they're calling latent seven. Oh. And the weird thing is it's not a normal latent game. There's no mystery to solve. There's no cutscenes. They did no say that. Teasers. It's a card game with fortune-telling elements. What? <laughs> I mean, they did say that the last one was the last time latent would come out. Right, so why are they calling this latent seven? Because the name. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But the thing is, like... Look, so make money. I guess my point is, like, Nintendo is synonymous with Leighton in the West. So they then have Leighton 7 come out on smartphones. It's kind of like... 
Where Put Nintendo six? in a weird spot. Well, people are buying it like, else. oh man, I like this game. Where I want to play the first six. Like, well, oh, maybe maybe reverse 3DS? marketing for Nintendo. Oh, so maybe I should buy your 3DS. But Latent Seven's nothing like the first six. Oh, that's yeah. just so weird. I think it'll be like, this is and, nothing like the first. Yeah, and not only that, but like, so Latent Seven's like that. And okay, maybe it'll reverse work as reverse marketing. But I'm still kind of like, Nintendo just lost their franchise. But Fantasy Life, the original, was kind of this cool mix of like Animal Crossing and an RPG and like Harvest Moon. The sequel, Fantasy Life 2, is basically Farmville, Simpsons Tapped Out. Any of those games where it's like you build a place and then you have a time limit that you have to work within. It sounds like it's for the worst. It is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's really bizarre. It, like, it wouldn't be so crazy if they were spinoffs, but the fact that these are the na- the actual sequels, at least in name, is... I mean, I'd be like, hey, uh, Nintendo made Mario Kart 9, and guess what? It's an on-rails, first-person, banana-throwing game. You're in the cart, but all you do is throw the banana forward. Like, no one would... You'd be like, that's not... That's Mario Kart 9? Like, it, having that name implies a certain level of... Or a certain type of game, or a certain level of quality, or a certain depth based on the previous entries in that series. So for Layton to pivot like this, it's, it's, it's very strange. I mean, that's not to say we won't ever see him on Nintendo. The CEO at Level 5 did hint that he'd be okay with Layton 7 on Wii U. He didn't say it would happen, but he's like, yeah, I'd like that, sure. <laughs> so maybe one day. And and uh, to be clear, Le- uh, Level 5 is not completely abandoning your 3DS. I mean, besides having Yokoi Watch come west, which is a huge commitment, uh, Yokoi Watch 3, when it was announced, was announced for 3DS. And interestingly, in Japan, they're doing a whole nother multimedia franchise alongside Yokoi Watch that they're calling Snack World. Yeah. It has a claymated look, which is kind of cool. But more interestingly, it's coming to uh, 3DS along with other platforms and will be leveraging the new 3DS's NFC support as a crucial part of the game. You'll need a new 3DS and you need a new 3DS SL, XL because what you'll do is you'll go buy physical keychains and physical objects and import them into the game. Not Amiibo. It's Level 5's own crazy NFC contraptions. But... It's still coming to 3DS, so it's almost like Layton and Fantasy Life, which kind of addresses what you're saying that you know they said Layton was done. It's almost like Layton Seven and Fantasy Life Two are like level five putting them out to pasture. It's like, well, you're done on the Nintendo platforms. You can go die a peaceful death off in the hills <laughs> of the mobile I feel world. Like Fantasy Life just came out too. What? Oh yeah, yeah. It's but in Japan it was out for like two years or a year. It took a long time. It's very Yokoi Watch and speed of gang over here. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so maybe maybe that's all it is. It's still weird, but that Layton and Fantasy Life are now mobile franchises and not Nintendo, but but hey, we're getting a core watch, that's a big deal. And they're still supporting the system somewhat. It's just kind of a weird turn of events that I didn't expect to happen. Yeah. But but yeah. And now let's go full first party. We kind of bridged the gap. Let's talk Smash Bros. Because that's one series that obviously isn't going to be leaving Nintendo ever, considering it's like all their stuff in one game. So, um, as pretty much anyone that is a fan of Nintendo is probably aware, this past Wednesday was a very big update for the game. It came uh, with the DLC Me Fighter costumes that you could buy for seventy-five cents or a dollar fifteen if you want both versions. That's a bargain, and I hate that they're doing that. And um, it of course came with a bunch of sharing options that they've been promising for a while, which are great. You can upload stages, screenshots, replays into Meverse from in the game. It's, it's memes, memes. It's really nice. Like it's it's what Brawl had that this one was missing, and then some in terms of sharing. So it even brings back the old notice of hey. If you want to save screenshots, you need an SD card. It, I don't think it said that in prior to this update. I mean, you didn't need it, but I don't think it said it. Uh, so I was kind of like, oh, a throwback to an annoying menu prompt. Uh, but probably the biggest thing that came out of the DLC that's worth mentioning, of course, is Mewtwo is now in the game. Club Nintendo members, if you somehow don't have your code yet, go call Nintendo because you should. But uh, we got hold of Mewtwo, Wii U, 3DS, 
He's in the game. He'll go public in two weeks. He'll become an IPO in two weeks. He'll go public on, on the stock market. But, uh, yeah, he's in the game, and he's Mewtwo. I mean, you, you're the bigger Smash player of the two of us, so what, what was your feeling after playing around with him? Yep, it's Melly Mewtwo. <laughs> Which is not bad. He was always a really fun character to use. And, I mean, if you're just playing with friends, then you're going to have a blast using him. Because he's, he's really different. Like, I never understood why people called him a... Why people call Lucario a Mewtwo clone? Because they feel they're very, very different. They're very different. Mewtwo's super floaty. Look, Lucario's very like he doesn't teleport. They have different kung fu in your face. Like, <laughs> I, I think what it's it, what it stemmed from was the fact that um, Mewtwo wasn't in Brawl and Lucario was, and people yeah. are like, "Hey, he took Mewtwo's spot." They replaced one humanoid Pokemon with a different one. And the only thing I'll give him is like, okay, like Lucario's um B attack, his projectile, it like whooshed around the way Mewtwo did. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, both of them still act differently. Like, Lucario damages you while it's charging. Mewtwo doesn't for some reason. Also, when Lucario wins, he looks angry. When Mewtwo wins, he looks extremely, like, sassy. sassy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're very different personalities. Uh, either way, I mean, he's fun. Definitely not, you're not gonna, you probably won't see him too much in, like, any tournament play. He's definitely... He's a character you really have to yeah, he, he's, learn. Yeah, he he has a learning curve if you want to actually be good with him. Mm-hmm. And also, um, what was I gonna say? Um, well, while you while you think what you're gonna say, right. it'll come back to you. While you while you think of it, I'll just chime in real quick and be like, yeah, we uh, the day he came out, Jose and I played online for a while just as Mewtwo, just to kind of get a feel for him. Yeah, now I remember, like, I was excited he was coming to the game because like, oh, cool, Mewtwo's back. And now I remember why I never actually played as him in melee and just like he's floaty. He, I wouldn't exactly say he's slow, but his floatiness makes him feel slow. Like, his attacks happen when you want them to happen. But, like, there's just, like, a very... I wouldn't even say it's a heavyweight. There's well, just, his floatiness definitely makes him feel different from any other I mean, character. it also depends on who you play. Like, you play as Tunley, who's, like... Who's, like, the when, fastest. When, like, when you, like, do a smash attack, like, everything comes out, like, basically instantly. Yeah. But and Mewtwo has to, like, ponder yeah, if he should do it before he does it. Mewtwo, like, winds up more. He's, like... Yeah. Yeah, he just, he's just this... So he feels yeah. slow to me, but the floaty thing was really weird because, like, we were trying to test the lag in the match. So, Jose, if you remember, we were, you had me, like, zip back and forth across the stage or something. Or, like, go over there and wait for me over there. So I was, like, zipping back and forth waiting. No, we were doing the We were, the we were testing. Yeah, we were messing with, like, the sending his ball back and forth, rallying the, the energy ball. And then I... Shadow ball. Yeah, and I, you know, I zigzagged across the stage, and I just fell off the stage because even his turnaround is floaty. Like, a lot of characters stop on a dime and switch directions. He's like, oh, give me, like, 20 feet to keep going, and then maybe I'll drift back if I feel like it. Like, it's definitely... He's definitely different from most characters. Which is good if you're looking to, like, in, you know, make your game feel new again or whatever, because it gives you a new thing to learn, and there's, of course, a new trophy to get with him and an alternate trophy, and... Yeah. And his final smash is kind of cool when there's a lot of opponents, when it's just one-on-one, not so much. It's a Psylocke, is what they're calling it. And he basically shoots a big beam of psychic... Psy shock. That's yeah. right. And he shoots a big beam of like psychic. I'm gonna make you fly off the stage. Energy, I guess. And when it's one on one, it just hits you and you fly off the stage. But when there's multiple people, it does like a little like cuts. You know, little splices of each person up close and looks more dramatic. Mm. But yeah, he, at the end of the day, he is Mewtwo. So if you hate Mewtwo, you're gonna keep hating Mewtwo. If you love Mewtwo, you just got your Mewtwo back. Congrats. But he definitely. Do you remember what you're gonna say? Oh well, I'm just also say that. Because he's still a new character, and obviously, like a lot of people were really excited for him, you're gonna see a lot of Mewtwo's online. Not necessarily because he's glitching people. Oh, word, word of caution. No, well, from, no, from, or, yeah. no well, from what I've played, like oh, I found yeah. a good amount of Mewtwo's. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, uh, sorry, I interrupted your point. Finish your point, and then I have a word of caution for people who do have YouTube, oh. but go ahead. No, yeah, like, I'd say I found there's, like, over 15 different YouTubes. Wow. Yeah, it's just a good amount. Between, like, 3DS and Wii U, just, like, mm-hmm. every other mentioned that can YouTube. Mm-hmm. But I haven't, like, if I were, like, if someone, like, hasn't gotten YouTube or hasn't found him yet, and they're like, oh, is there anything I should watch out for? I've already said, like, oh, not much. Just try not to get hit by his up smash, and that's, like, about it. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. You but got me a couple times with it. Other than that, it's, like, he's just... YouTube, he's just average. I will say, if you until do, someone figures out like a way to make him really good, yeah, like some sort of exploit or something. Yeah. Now I will say there is actually speaking of exploits, a glitch with YouTube. So for those who do have him, just a PSA for you: the more you know, shooting star, all that. Um, basically, if you use YouTube, do not do a ten-man smash, because if you do, when it saves, it corrupts the file, and then when you go and try and play online, it'll say your, your save is corrupt and you're screwed. Nintendo's aware; they're working on a patch, but until then, don't. Play Ten Man Smash with YouTube. So random. I know. Yeah, most glitches like that are. I feel like some people say it even happens when you do any single. Excuse me, any single player. I've not heard that enough to give a proper warning like this. See, see, here at the Random Town Podcast, we don't just give you news. We give you uh, PSAs about things about your games, so you know not to break them. So I, I, I have yet to confirm that it's true of every single player. But no, Ten Man Smash. Avoid that, like the plague, at least until Mewtwo's patched, and then you're good. Or until the game's patched. Uh, Nintendo's aware they're working on it, but just for the time being, sit tight. Now, something else they patched... Transition. Something else they patched is the balancing of the characters, which I feel like people are still probably feeling their way through and figuring out what changed, but yeah. one notable one is Diddy. Yeah, Diddy. Who um, I, yeah, you could talk about this way better than I can. Yeah, like, overall, like most of the changes weren't that drastic. Just like, oh, Charizard now gets 1% more damage when he uses Flare Blitz. Or like, right. Like, like Stuff like that. Just like, Little, like, 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 dam- like damage tweaks. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Diddy Kong, like, he definitely had his reputation. It was definitely... His sidekick is it, nerfed, like, man. Well, yeah, his... his, his Actually, up, all his stuff is well, nerfed. Yeah, his, his up kick, which, like, I guess the, the, the notorious combo was just, like, grab someone, throw them down, and then uh-huh. jump and hit them up. Which, it was strong, but you also have to remember, like, some characters can kill you just from the throw alone. Other characters have, like, Luigi that could kill you from 60% with his up B that comes out instantly. Right. Which isn't that hard to do if you're good with them. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, it just... I don't know. People just like to complain. But how, has the Smash community, like... Is there one thing that they're rallying behind? Like, how dare they change this? Because I remember, like... That's happened before, where they were a lot, super a lot of, mad a lot of, about a lot one of people move are, I mean, change. there are definitely more people that were just complaining about Diddy. And I'm pretty sure most of it is because... because he Pre- was Pre- or post-change? Um, both. Ah. Um, because he was just a really popular character, mm-hmm. he's definitely more easy to pick up. And because of his power, he was just used a lot in tournaments. And right. people were just kind of fed up watching Diddy versus Diddy. It was, it was known that he was overpowered. Yeah, he was, or, 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 OP, or OP, as they say in the biz. Yeah, like, I don't think he was definitely, like, Meta Knight level when it came to that. But he, right. but a lot of people did say he was, like, a Meta Knight. Mm-hmm. But either way, um, his up, they made it almost impossible to combo down throw to up A anymore. If you do manage to hit someone with your up A in the air, it does very little knockback and not as much damage. Almost all his attacks, like, got their knockback reduced. He also right. does a lot less damage. So now... No, I mean it. it I'm, I'm okay with it. Like I, I mean, they, you're not a regular Diddy. No, well, yeah, sort of. Like, it's a weird sentence. You're not a regular Diddy. No, like I, <laughs> like Diddy used to be one of my favorite characters in Brawl. Then I just kind of stopped using him, and it was just all Rob. Yeah. And then when this one came out, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna pick up Diddy again. Just like really stick with him, and I have been like using I've him. Never seen you use Diddy. Well, we don't really play against each other that much. Not competitively. No. That's true. We do like yeah. eight player smashes all the time. Which by the way are still awesome and the update 
six more stages support eight player smash now which is awesome all omega yep Yep. Well, yeah, they have the Omega because there's too many moving parts otherwise. For the... No, 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 that's a, the, the Omega version, the stages that we already got. In the oh, yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah, like, I, I've, I've been using them for a while, like, for a few months now. Mm-hmm. But, um, either way, like, before the patch, you definitely do kind of feel like when you win at him, it's like, eh, it's just kind of dirty, especially if you do that sure. combo lot, just because they have that stigma. Sure. But now, like, as I'm playing with them, he still relatively feels the same. I just don't use that move anymore just because it doesn't even really connect that often. Right. And now when you win with them, it's like, oh, well, now no one can complain if they lose to Diddy. That's true. Like, literally, like, they, all they can do is just shut up about it. Right, right. I, so, in many ways, Cause it's it, like... It, 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 w- it definitely was bad to the point where um, Obis and I, like, we were playing at our friend's house. Uh-huh. And I was, and we were doing team battles. It was, like, me and my brother versus uh, him and her sister. Sure. And um, they're both they're both very competitive, like, Smash players also. And we won in, their, in our Kong team. And, uh, and Diddy. Yeah, and then like they were like, like, oh, well, they had Diddy, or yeah, it like, invalidates the win, even if it is a legit win. Yeah, basically. Which is what I was about to say is that like, it, whether you're good with Diddy or not, the fact that he was so OP to begin with, yeah. arguably means that it will cancel out anyone. Because we have had situations yeah, where cause... I will beat someone and it's like brushed off as like, oh, well, that was just Jason being lucky. And it's like I can be good every once in a while, maybe like. Or like, oh, well, you had this time, or you did this move, or you did that, and it's just like, I still won. (laughs) That's kind of the problem with, like, I guess, like, Smash Bros., or a lot of fighting games in general. It's like, okay, like, you're playing against someone, like, if you're playing in a tournament, say, Mm -hmm. and then you lose against a Diddy, they're like, oh, well, they were using Diddy. It's like, okay, then, why weren't you playing as a character that you wanted to win with? Yeah. Like, if you're going to play to win, then just pick what you believe is the best character and just go with them. Yeah, and, like, and don't, if you don't do that, it's not your fault if someone does and then beats you. Yeah, it's like, okay. I mean, it's not their fault, it's your fault. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, I play Bowser, and he's, like, I don't know, I think, debatably somewhere in the middle, people, like, sure. put, yeah. like, he's just somewhere down the middle, Yeah. and it's, like, oh, if I lose a lot, I'm not gonna be, like, oh, well, it's cause I'm, I, a lot of people do do this, like, oh, well, I'm, or I'm playing Bowser, like, or I'm playing this character, yeah. so I'm gonna lose a lot, like, well, I don't know, just, it's just a John. Just... Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way, it's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that, but, uh, you know, when we're talking about things that were kind of not publicly shared about the DLC or the updates, such as Diddy changes, they just said it was gameplay tweaks. Yeah, Sheik There's... was also kind of... Oh, what did they change with Sheik? Um, same, kind of the same thing. They reduced some damage, reduced some knockback. Because Sheik was also like... I didn't like, know about Sheik. Because Sheik was also like up there with Diddy. Like when sure. people weren't complaining about Diddy Kong, they were complaining about Sheik mm-hmm. and Rosalina. I think they were complaining about her. They nerfed Luma. Takes less hits now to die. But... Oh, interesting. Interesting. But yeah, I was going to say that in addition to all that stuff being in there, they also buried something else in DLC, I think unintentionally, and it got discovered, and it's kind of cool. So someone actually dug through the decrypted data of the DLC and found four sound files for DLC characters. Obviously Mewtwo was one of them, Lucas is one of them in preparation for June when he comes out, and then randomly there were ones labeled for Fire Emblem's Roy, and you ready for this? Street Fighter's Ryu. What? So, okay, so Roy makes sense. Roy makes perfect sense. He's one of the remaining characters that hasn't been back since Melee. Um, actually, probably the only one, I think, that hasn't been back at all since Melee. Uh, yeah, I know. We'll have the entire Melee roster. Yeah, and then Fire Emblem. Like Young Link, but we kind right, of have Right, well, we have two. Yeah, that's true, Young Link. But uh, Fire Emblem's now a much bigger franchise in the West than it was when he was in Melee. It makes sense to bring him back. Fans will go crazy and buy him and spend money, and Nintendo likes money. The crazy one is, is uh, Ryu, though. Which actually, you know, I take that back. Ryu makes sense too. Uh, Capcom and Nintendo are super close now. They already put Mega Man in there. Nintendo helped Capcom so much with Monster Hunter and promoting it in the West. 
It, and Street Fire was one of the first million sellers on the 3DS. It was a launch game and sold over a million. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, I guess Ryu makes sense. But yeah, they found music for Ryu. They found Street Fire 2 music and his champion music buried in the DL- like champion win, you know, you won music. And it's buried in the DLC, and it's there. It was confirmed by, like, multiple people. It's actually in there. No, no, I heard it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right. When's that getting announced? It's, it's not like Smash Up Fight. It's literally just like the Street Fighter 2 meter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But why is it there unless... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. I always wanted... Like, if I had to pick, like, a Capcom representative, yeah. like, I would have definitely picked Ryu, like, way over Mega Man. Right. I mean, he just makes really sense again. Like, his moveset is, like, already there. Like, he, uh-huh. he come out of so many fighting but games. But I feel like, didn't Sakurai once say he doesn't want... I mean, Sakurai says a lot of things and then backpedals on him. Like, no he's, DLC. He's or, like, he's done he's with the game. on everything he's Yeah, done. but he, I feel like he once said he doesn't want to put fighters from other fighting games into this game. The whole point is to have people that don't fight, like Mega Man. So it'd be Little interesting Man. if he then flips... I mean, yeah, oh, Little yeah, Mac's yeah. the first hole in that. But that's not really a fighting I know, game. Yeah. yeah, but he's, like... Yeah. That's a crazy one. Yeah, he's, like, Nintendo's... One of their own... One of their only, like, actual, like... Fighter. Character that actually fights. Yeah, but even then, it's not like a fighting game. <laughs> I know, it's a yeah. Fighter game <laughs> or a boxing game, but um, it could be really cool though. Like, yeah. you already have your up B Shoryuken, B Hadouken, mm-hmm. side B could be his spin kick. No, no, I, th- I think it's a cool crossover opportunity, and it might also. Final signal... Smash would be that one that he has in every single like Marvels of Capcom where he shoots like that giant. Oh, the laser giant, and... yeah. No, it'd be super cool, and it, it it could be a nice like signal that maybe we're getting a Street Fighter on Nintendo systems again. Like it'd be a good cross. Probably not thing. though, considering it's like a Sony exclusive now. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's right, Sony and PC or PlayStation and PC. Yeah. No, but I, I didn't. I didn't mean. Well, Street Fighter Five. But... I didn't mean Five. I meant like a spinoff or something, oh. or like a 3D remake of like an older one, or I don't know what I mean. But it could signal. Well, something. I mean, we did get the Virtual Console ones semi-recently like we got a lot of them (laughs) yeah Yeah, so i it it seems like the it's possible but it's still how much you want bet nintendo's gonna do something like that you know how they have the smash fighter ballot e3 character release he might be at e3 but i wouldn't be surprised if nintendo like you know how they're doing the smash fighter ballot where it's like oh he's gonna be the one they pick yeah it's like oh hey guys we heard you want ryu it's like nobody said ryu oh but we heard we we heard you people (laughs) seem like they want king k rule and shovel knight most or something king k rule was rumored of, I, yeah King K. Rool was rumored at the very early early days of uh, Smash Bros. for Wii and 3DS Shovel Knight would be cool I still say Chibi Robo get get out there and vote people Chibi Robo I still haven't voted actually Chibi Robo make the right choice vote mm. Chibi Robo today uh, yeah I feel like I'm running like a president we do need more robots we do they actually do. look like robots Rob needs Mega a Man. Like, I Rob needs I, a I can't really see Mega Man as a robot like I know he's a robot but Rob needs a gray rectangular equally robot looking robot friend yeah yeah we could just stare at each other yeah and people could do a little emoticon little heart things or and then Rob will just shoot him in the face with his laser eyes yeah. out of love of course but yeah no um, it's, it's it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ryu but there's a lot there's a lot of DLC going on because there's not just Smash Bros but Nintendo then announced like the next day no same day day before I don't remember which day but basically back to back with Smash Bros they confirmed uh all the tracks are coming in Mario Kart 8's DLC Pack 2, the Animal Crossing themed one, which comes out this coming Thursday, which is quite soon. And uh, it's a pretty awesome list. The tracks look really good. So we're not going to spend too much time talking about them because next episode we'll have our impressions. But just a quick rundown for those who somehow missed it. Um, on the retro side of things, they're adding Neo Bowser City from Mario Kart 7 on the 3DS. Uh, the awesome Baby Park from mm. Double Dash on GameCube. We'll get our, to our thoughts on that in a sec. Uh... The complete and then two completely remade Super Circuit tracks from the Game Boy Advance version, uh, Ribbon Road and Cheese Land, 
which sure their turns and twists probably match the layouts but everything else is like basically a new track the ribbon road in particular looks super awesome because it's basically like andy's room from toy story but you're racing through it and all the toys are nintendo toys they even got the little toads the yoshi amiibos the yoshi's amiibos <laughs> yeah yarn yoshi amiibos everywhere and then they got the little toads you know in um i think it's mario versus Donkey yeah, Kong, the little to- yeah. uh, wobbly toad guys they're there so it's cool that they're pulling new things like that and then there's like boxes for toy carts everywhere it, it looks really great and baby park at 200 cc i imagine is gonna be super fun but i know you have a bone to pick with it well i don't know baby park I feel like it was specifically designed with Mario Kart Double Dash's items in mind because yeah. a lot of the items there were huge, like the ba- giant Bowser shell, the giant banana. Like yeah. they had things that just like bounced all over the place. And espe- specifically Baby Park, even though it was just a giant oval, um, items could travel between that path. So you could like shoot at someone across if they're about to pass the finish line before you, before you even get to like right, right, right next to them. But now they- that gap. Yeah, but for some reason they fenced it off. Right. So now it's not. I mean, it'll still be chaotic, but they definitely took off what I thought was one of like the best parts of the track. Yeah, what's interesting about that is imagine. It's the fact that bounce. That an item could literally come from anywhere. Like, and it would you're be, never safe, but now yeah. you kind of are if you hug the rail. Yeah, and it would have been great if they left that gap open, and then you had a 200 cc, and you had, like a bajillion red shells going every which way through that gap. Like, never mind the big yeah. item thing. You can arguably say if you put the game in frantic mode, you know, the item set to frantic mode when playing. Oh, yeah. And you go out to your CC, you can replicate the chaos of the items, but blocking off that bridge, so to speak, or gap really, does limit the chaos of it, which is kind of fun. Because, yeah. I mean, that, that was, that's what Baby Park was to me, just yeah. short laps and that gap. Yeah, and actually, in 200cc, you can do a lap in 8 seconds, which is nuts. Wow. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. I wonder if Nintendo's logic is well, if you do frantic and you do 200 CC, you're replicating. It's the same level of chaos as Double Dash's giant items, just not the same type of chaos. So that that's one of those things that we were gonna have to play. It. We're excuse me, we're really gonna have to play it, and then next episode, yeah. kind of report back and be like, yeah, it worked, or nope, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. But it's cool that they include it nonetheless. Yeah, another zero track. Yeah, yeah, that leads us to the new tracks, which we'll touch on I think really the original quick. Zero game only had, like, four tracks. Yeah, and now we have half of them in this. So, on the new side... Only four we, characters, I don't remember. Uh, oh, yeah, I had four characters, more than four tracks. But on the new track side, we're getting Big Blue from F-Zero. We're, of course, getting the Animal Crossing track, sorry, been more revealed. More awesome music. In general. More awesome music. We're getting a kind of cool-looking, it's called Superbell Subway. It's a train station, and the subways are coming and going. You're, like, driving on top of them and dropping down into the tracks, and that looks kind of cool. And there's a foresty, really nice-looking track called uh, Wild Woods. Which, I don't know what that's a reference or based on, but... Just Woods. Just Woods. But yeah, it looks cool, but it's kind of funny. I remember you tweeted about uh, when F-Zero, the F-Zero tracks came out, and you're like, at this rate, there's just going to be an F-Zero inside Mario Kart. And it's, I feel like it's going that way, because I don't know... It's, honestly, it feels weird that we have two F-Zero tracks and still no like, actual Captain Falcon. Yeah, it's very strange. Well, we have the Captain Falcon Me costume. Yeah. But, but we also have the Link Me costume and a Link, so... I don't know, dude. Do you think it's only a matter of time before we actually get a Captain Falcon character? Probably. I seriously suspect I feel like they that keep the DLC I, I going, like, so probably. I feel like that'd be huge. Yeah. Like, and Well, would, no, it depends on something. I think it depends on what And it would also thing. kind of make the fact that he doesn't have a game even sadder. That's what I was going to say. I think it Because, de- like, oh, look at that. He's not even in his own racing game. I think it depends. He's driving, like, a tiny little blue falcon. Yeah, <laughs> his knees up to his chin. Just like... <laughs> this is what my life is now. <laughs> this is what I've become. Uh, in his leather jacket this way because like 200cc like for him is still like 50cc yeah but I do think it's interesting that I think if he shows up depends on one key thing and that is whether are these F-Zero tracks here because they're trying to tantalize people about new F-Zero and engage interest or are these here as apologies to current F-Zero fans going like 
guys, we know the kink just doesn't sell. So how about th how about this? We're gonna give you two tracks, and we're gonna give you 200 CC, which is at least close to the low end of F Zero. And then between that, like it's like you have F Zero, right? Right, guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, like those. Pick up me with the Captain Falcon costume. Yeah, go, to, and, go to Big Blue, or and boom, you're in F Zero. From Meat City. And I think those are their. Like I don't know. I don't know how to read this. I can't tell. If tell I really can't tell if their focus grouping is F Zero popular still, or if they're trying to apologize to the bands that are out there, being like, we know we're you're, you're never getting another game. At least have this. Like I really can't tell which way it's gonna swing. But I think if they do more DLC, which I'm pretty sure they will, because Nintendo's nailing it with Mario Kart 8 DLC. Last episode, we were talking about how much I hate, like, or we, I think I could speak for both of us, hate, like, the microtransactions in Smash that they rolled out and things like that. But when it comes to Mario Kart's DLC, Nintendo is on top of it. The tracks are great looking. It's a four, It's not badly priced. It's very affordable. It's very, like, not affordable. Economical, how they're doing it. Like, you're getting a lot of content for not very much money. And they're introducing new things, and there's little touches throughout. But, like, you know, like, uh, you have a bell pouch if you're playing as Isabel. No. Then you're collecting the coins. No, oh, yeah. I, there's I, a bell I, pouch instead of a coin count. No, I, Same I, with the villager. Or maybe no. that's only on the Animal Crossing stage. No, that's probably on the Sorry, on the Animal Crossing stage. stage. It's like the rupees. In yeah, you know what? I didn't even notice when we were playing in Mute City that there were no coins. That you actually get the coins from that healing pad. Are you? I never noticed like, that. Like every line. I that, never noticed Because I Because I noticed like sometimes when I went over it, it will give you that animation that you're healing. And I'm all like, yeah. oh, like that's a nice little touch. But then at, at some point, it just stopped doing it. And I'm all, and I never noticed. And I so, had no idea. And so someone pointed it out, and there's like lines. And yeah. every time you pass one of those lines, you get a coin. Oh, man, the fan service is... The fan service in so this like, game wow, is so good. So, so they pretty much like left it open. Like they could literally yeah it's so great but anyway my, my, the point I'm getting at is that like so the DLC is going well that'd be cool Kirby I'd be cool if they did a Kirby um, air ride throwback where he's riding the star and everything but um, yeah my point was I don't know what they're doing with the DLC but I think they're doing it super well and I would like to see it continue with Mario Kart I think it brings attention back to the game it basically remarkets the game every six months for them like yeah. it was all over the internet like if Fast Games had longevity Baby, this one yeah. yeah Baby Park was trending as it, the Japanese trailer came out uh, the night before it announced in America, and it was trending on Twitter, like, not just, like, custom trends, like, general overarching trending in North America was Baby Park. Like, this draws a lot of attention <laughs> to it. a lot of people that did, like, a trailer, like, are like, what? Park. Yeah, <laughs> like, 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 I don't understand. Park? But then again, whoever looks at um, those trends should probably expect weird stuff, because that's where all the, like, I heart, you know, like, uh, Zane, don't leave us, One Direction tweets and stuff start trending, so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, point being, I, I think when we get to see the next DLC, if Captain Falcon's in there, it's safe to say there won't be another F-Zero. If Captain Falcon's not in there, it's safe to say there will be an F-Zero. That's my gut feeling. But either way, Mario Kart, it looks great. We're going to have full impressions of the DLC pack next episode. It comes out next Thursday. Uh, I mean, I, we'll just tell you up front. I mean, listen to see, if, you know, hear us nitpick, but just buy the thing. It looks great. And there goes our viewer, our listener count. We probably lost half next episode because they're like, well, they said to buy it. Don't need to listen to them. But no, it, it, it seriously, it looks so good. I'm really, really excited for it. I love Mario Kart 8. Best Mario Kart, hands down, ever. Yeah, usually with those franchises, the, every consecutive one is always just the best version of it. Yeah, yeah, Mario Kart in particular nails that so well. But, Smash uh, Brothers was the yeah, Smash for many. Brothers, yeah. yeah, Smash Bros. is more of a toss-up. I'd say even still it's more well, of a well, toss-up. I mean, well, well, I mean, like, I always felt every version was better. Like, so I thought, did I. Like, I like, but a I, lot of people hate the slowness of Brawl. Yeah, which is like, I don't know, just get used to it. This is a different game. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that... It's funny because a lot of people are saying Smash 4 currently, Smash 4 Wii and 3DS, isn't different enough. But these are the same people that are complaining. They're like, oh, it's basically the same. It's like, it, the, I'm not that interested because it's the same game. I played it a little, but then I gave up. It's the same game. But those were the people that were mad that Melee and Brawl had different speeds. I don't understand. 
But, they just want melee. Yeah, they just want melee. But anyway, um, yeah. I guess in our final news segment... You never really hear people complaining that much about, like, Street Fighter when it's like, oh, well, actually you do. Never mind. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, what are you talking about? No, cause, always about well, because I mean, like, well, the competitive scene for, like, people, like, embrace Street Fighter 4, but I guess you still hear a lot of people going, like, oh, I want Street Fighter 3, I want to parry. Right. But, oh, some just some funny tweets. Like, I don't know, I, I'm sure everyone, or a lot of people know who Daigo is, Daigo Mahara, maybe not by name. I don't. But, <laughs> everyone, I no like, like, a, like, a good amount of people, like, it went viral, like, the, mo- it's called, like, Evil Moments from, I forgot what year. Well, pretty much it was, like, Grand Finals, the so last wait, round. So, wait, back up. For people that don't know who he is, like me, he's a Street Fighter competitor? Yeah, he's, like... Pro Street Fighter player? Yeah, he's a professional Street okay. Fighter player. He... Like, if, if you follow any competitors, like, Daigo and Justin Wong are, like, names yeah, I know that, Wong, yeah. Like, those are names that come up a lot. Didn't we see Justin Wong at, uh... Yeah, after, at the Smash Bros thing? He's eating at the... Afterwards, he's eating at the table he was next to with us. Pierre Balrog and a bunch of other, like... Yeah, fun fact. Smash Bros players, when they're done competitively playing Smash Bros, like, at the Invitational at E3 last year, oh, no, go no, to no, Smash... No, no, that was a Capcom tournament uh, at E3. Uh, like, that's a Street right. Fighter tournament. That's what they were at. They don't play Smash Bros. Never mind. Fun fact. When competitive people are done being competitive in video games, they go eat at Smash Burger. The joke doesn't work because it's not Smash Bros. Well, we Smash went to Burger. the Smash Bros. event and then we had Smash Burger. It's true. That's why. Because we, we had to have a Smash themed day. You can't just stop halfway. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Well, anyway, um, I guess that moment just it was just like the last round. He had like very little health. Any hit would have killed him. Yeah. And his opponent Daigo, I mean Justin Wong, used like Chinese Ultra, which does like a bunch of like lightning kicks, like back to back, really, mm-hmm. really fast. And if he would have just to block him, he would die because you take chip damage. Right. But in Street Fighter 3, there's something called parrying, where if you press toward the attack, um, it negates the damage fully. But you have to do that for every single hit. Sure. And he did that for, like, all, like, 8, like, 13 hits that come out really fast. And then he, come, like, countered it and, like, won. Well, anyway, well, this guy, he's, like, known for playing, like, Ryu. Like, mm-hmm. He's, like, Ryu, like, his person. So they're, like, oh, man, if Ryu comes out to Smash Brothers, like, that was going to enter, like, Smash Bros. tournament. And he'll, like, take him with Ryu. Like, <laughs> right, right. Or, like, he'll parry or somehow parry. Parry his way to success. No, I was like, parry, oh. to, parry for the win. Because he definitely does play any game that has Ryu, so I'm curious if he's going to look at so it. So I guess he will become a Smash Bros. competitor, yeah. Mr. Day, when he plays Street Fighter that you said 10 seconds ago. <laughs> Maybe. If, Maybe. If the Ryu rumors turn out to be true. Yep. But uh, kind of moving away, I guess, from games themselves to our final news segment. You know what time it is, Jose? Oh, boy. No, you're supposed to answer. Oh, say, oh boy. Unless, oh, boy's the time. But that's Jason not. Sales Corner. Okay, a little more enthusiasm. <laughs> Jason Sales Corner. Yeah, that's right. MPD numbers came out from March of 2015, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to break them all down. Numbers. I'm talking like this. Numbers, math, business, economics, industry news. No, but uh, it, I mean, it was an interesting, I would say, even if you're like, I don't, like, why are you telling us this? It's an interesting month for Nintendo because they had high highs and low lows and nothing, not a whole lot in between. So first on uh, just a quick industry level, um, this is just, again, for those who aren't familiar with MPD, this is for March 2015 tracking period, which is about the four-week window of the month. U.S. sales only, physical sales only, unless specified. So, uh, generally speaking, industry was actually down this month. It was down about 6% compared to a year ago, compared to March 2014, and that's primarily due to a 21% drop in hardware sale- sales. And that 21% drop was due to uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4 no longer riding out their launches. A year ago... It was only four months after they both launched in the U.S. There was still a lot of buzz. There was still a lot of tension. They were still selling out or doing quite well. They were riding that momentum. This year, they're established players. There's not the frenzy around them. You just go buy one if you want one. Like It's not quite the same as a launch window. So the good news is that while uh, the hardware went down overall by 21%, Nintendo actually went up 
their sales in all of 2015 thus far have been up, so the first three months, in other words, have been up 60%, that's 6-0, compared to sales in the first three months of 2014, which is great. So uh, to kind of break it down a bit, Wii U saw a 20% increase in hardware sales this year so far. In the month of March, its sales numbers are at a minimum, it's a leak number, Nintendo didn't give the official one, but it's at least a 2,500 units. Remember the days when they used to sell about 30 to 40,000? Like two years ago, they are now actually doubling that regularly. Every month this year, we've been in the 80,000s. So that's good. It shows there's some actual momentum going. And going hand in hand with that momentum is uh, Wii U game sales. And specifically, Mario Party 10 did shockingly well. It really? was the fourth best selling well, game. Well, it's Mario Party. Well, yeah, but Mario Party always kind of was like, oh, yeah, it's like the eighth best seller or seventh best seller. It does okay. Like, you know, it's a kind of a slow burn of a game. But this one, fourth best selling game of the month. All that was ahead of it was ba uh, Battlefield Hardline, which came in at number one, Bloodborne, which came in at number two, and Grand Theft Auto V, I suspect because of the PC version coming out, which mm -hmm. came in at number three. And now um, Mario Party 10 is at number four, and it was primarily um, driven, unsurprisingly, by the Amiibo bundle. It managed to sell 290,000 physical plus digital copies, that's how Nintendo reported, but uh, reports say that 47, I think I just said this, 47% of those physical sales were the Mario Party plus Mario Amiibo bundle, which makes you wonder, are people buying it for the game or for that Mario Amiibo that, for a very short two-week window, was only available with I the bundle? I just remember pre-order selling out of that bundle yeah. really fast for a while, but now, like, you can find that bundle in any store. Yeah, exactly. Or you could buy the Mario Amiibo separately now. Yeah. So I don't know. I wonder if it sales, like, fall off a cliff or not. But nonetheless, fourth best-selling game of the month, nearly 300,000 copies. And then in addition to that... The, the big Wii U sellers continue to be the big Wii U sellers. Mario Kart 8 and Smash Bros. also did quite well. Uh, up to, we now have totals going through March. So uh, Mario Kart 8 here in the U.S. has sold 1.9 million copies in the slightly under a year that's been out, which is pretty great. And Smash Bros. for Wii U has sold 1.6 million copies since it came out in November, which is also pretty good. You know, for a system that doesn't have a ton of people playing it, both of those are trucking along, and I suspect they're going to keep doing so thanks to the DLC and how much Nintendo's promoting that. Uh, we also, here's a surprising one. Nintendo didn't talk about this, but leaked numbers show that Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is oh. actually kind of ex exceeding expectations. Here in the U.S., since it came out in December, it has sold 326,000 units. Not a huge number, but for a niche game like that, it's pretty good. And when you factor in eShop sales and the fact that's done quite well abroad, there's a very good chance that, that it's the little game that could, and it might actually conceivably pass a million units in sales. Which for a spin-off, puzzle, budget, overly adorable game like Captain Toad is, is awesome news. Because it's such a fun game. It's such a great personality. Like I'm, I'm, It's so charming. I'm just so happy to see it do well. I'm just like pinching on the cheek and be like, good job, Toad. Was that a little too much? That's a little too much. I'm going to scale it back. But, um, but no, it's, it's cool to see it do well. On uh, the other side of the coin a little, Caribbean and Rainbow Curse. Uh, as you may recall, last month we were saying it sold about 50,000 units in the two weeks of February. Or sorry, the one week of February that it charted. And we were saying it's hard to say what that means for the game. Is it doing well? Is it not doing well? Well, we now know that in March, it, it, it sold even more than that. It actually sold another 60,000 copies, and it currently sits at 110,000 sold in about a five-week span, five to six-week span. Kirby is a pretty big franchise for Nintendo, but definitely it's a budget game. It wasn't marketed super heav heavily. It's definitely like a lesser Wii U game in terms of like A-tier, B-tier, that sort of thing. So... 110 is not bad. It's very rare, percentage-wise, it's rare to see a game's sale trajectory go like that, where it not only matches its launch month, but actually exceeds it. 
Hmm. It only really happens with the major franchises, and it only really happens during the holidays, at least from what I've seen tracking, you know, watching this stuff for the last few years. So it's kind of cool to see Kirby actually kind of truck along. Again, in terms of raw numbers, not huge, but in terms of percentage, it's it's notable. And um, just to give you kind of a perspective on how these lesser games do, it's doing pretty well for itself because... Um, by the way, just to be clear, the Kirby numbers and the Captain Toad numbers were strictly physical. I should state that. They came from MPD, not from Nintendo, so there's no eShop comparison. When you factor in eShop, uh, Nintendo says that it can account for up to 10% of all sales. So just add 10% more to what I'm saying, which you know gives them a boost when applicable. But uh, if you look at physical numbers versus physical numbers, give you a sense of how like the lesser games do. Wonderful 101, remember that game? So it's been out for what, a year and a half now? What? Right? Is that what it's been? September of 2013? September 15. September 15. Uh, yeah, so it's been out for like a year and a half. It has sold 104,000 copies. So in six weeks, Kirby exceeded it, which makes sense. It's Kirby's a known franchise. Uh, Bayonetta 2, on the other hand, which has been out for four months, five months, six months, has been out for six months, and it sold 157,000 copies. So Kirby's coming up on that pretty fast, and Bayonetta is a bit more of a stash franchise. So I'm not trying to, like, you can't really pay them against each other. They're apples and oranges, but it's just kind of interesting to, like, you have the mega successes of Mario Kart and Smash Bros. are at the multi-million marks, and then you have the lessers, where they're they're chugging along. But like, unfortunately, Wonderful One One is not doing that well. It took eighteen months to sell, just over a hundred thousand. Bayonetta Two is doing a little better, but definitely isn't going to be probably getting a sequel anytime soon unless Nintendo wants to foot that bill again. Uh, it's just interesting to kind of rank them amongst each other and to see where things lie. On the handheld side, switching gears. Uh, 3DS hardware is doing even better than Wii U, thanks to the launch of the new 3DS XL here in the States. Uh, because of that, the 3DS is still riding the momentum, and in March, it managed to sell somewhere between 260,000 and 270,000 units. Again, that's from leaked numbers, not Nintendo, which is why it's a range. But from Nintendo, we learned that here in the U.S. during the first three months of 2015, 3DS hardware sales have been up 80%. That's almost double compared to 2014's first three months. So there's that in its favor. And of course, on the software side, it's having games that do well and games that not do well. It's kind of similar to Wii U. The big name, big budget, well-marketed games are obviously doing well, and then the lesser games are not doing as hot. So in the case of the big name games, that's primarily stuff that came out last month. Majora's Mask for 3DS, that sold another 184,000 physical and digital copies. Whoa. Which means, thanks for the woe, appreciate it. Which means, well, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's a lot for a month okay, later. Right? The price. Yeah, here's actually, a big, don't really see that game talked on our show. It's not here's a bigger game. woe. It's been out for, what, six weeks on the chart? To date, physical and digital combined, it has sold 740,000 copies. That's nearly three quarters of a million in just six yeah, weeks also. for a 10 year old game. That's impressive. I guess the demand really was there. And similarly, Smash Bros. on 3DS continues to do super well. In March, randomly, it sold another 110,000 physical and digital copies. That means that to date, since it came out in October, in the U.S. alone, Smash Bros. has sold 2.4 million units on 3DS, which is pretty good. It's, I mean, the Wii U one is at 1.6, and it's at 2.4, so it's clearly a gap due to the bigger, you know, the different sizes of user base. But they're, they're trucking along. And also worth mentioning, we said earlier, but just to put in the sales corner, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, over a million copies have been shipped out to Western retailers, which means it's doing quite well for itself as well. Yeah. Now, the same can't be said, unfortunately. Really happy with that. Oh, they're super happy. They needed that. They were having some issues without it. Um, the bad news is you can't say the same about the, the sales of new March releases for 3DS. They did not do nearly as well. Um, did anything even come out? Yeah, that's the thing. No one seemed to notice. So here's 
here's the story. Nintendo even mentioned them in their press release. That's how bad they did. But thanks again to leaked numbers, we know how they did. And you can see why Nintendo didn't mention it. So let's start with the... Uh, let's start with the bigger one, simply because it's a franchise, and it's established, and kids have bought into it before. Did you know... First of all, did you know there was a new Fossil Fighters that came out last oh, month? Yeah. Fossil Fighters Frontier came out the same day as Mario Party 10. It sold 35,000 copies in a week or so. For comparison, that's not horrible. I mean, it's not good, but it's not horrible. But for comparison, the original Fossil Fighters on the DS, when it was a new franchise that no one heard of, and also came out, if I remember correctly, towards the end of the reporting period, in August of 2009, sold 92,000 copies. So the first game in a now three-game series managed to do double the sales of the third game in what is now an established series. Not good for Nintendo. Granted, they didn't really market it, from what I could tell, but I don't know if I'm making a big excuse for them, or if there's an actual problem or what, but it just didn't And you think of like, well. Jurassic World coming out, the uh, interest is in dinosaurs. And... See, what's interesting is Nintendo started promoting it on their Twitter after launch, not before, so I wonder if their marketing ramped up afterwards well. They did have TV commercials on kids' channels, but not that often. I wonder if they stepped it up post-launch, and I wonder if that means in April maybe it'd be higher sales. It's kind of hard to say. But the real bummer of the NPD for uh, March is that Codename Steam sold even less than Fossil Fighters. And Codename Steam actually had some marketing. So Codename Steam's Lots numbers... Uh, what? Lots of it. Felt like yeah, it. tons of it. And its sales came in at only 31,000 units. Now again, Fossil Fighters and Codename Steam, which mentioned, these don't include eShop. Again, there's that 10% bump they could get, roughly. It's maybe more like 12% now, because I think that Nintendo's st statistics a little old. But nonetheless, even if you had a 10% bump, 31,000 is not anything to write home about. It's kind of it's kind of sad because I mean Steam is a very unique game. It has its flaws. We'll be talking about them in a moment. But it's still I feel like deserved to be more successful and I feel like Nintendo put a lot of money into it, a lot of marketing, they got high quality voice acting for it and then the game just kind of fell to the wayside, which sucks because, you know, Nintendo needs new IPs. They're doing it with Splatoon. Splatoon will probably do better. Like, it would be nice to see Codename Steam do well enough, and maybe Nintendo will still take a gamble on it with a sequel, but it would be nice of it to see it do well enough that Nintendo could say, you know what, we're going to take the criticism from the first game, we're going to address them for a second game, and we're going to actually make a second game. I don't know if they're going to do that anymore. They did put out a patch to address the up the uh, enemy turn speed, which was a major concern, but there are other flaws with the game, which we'll get to in a minute, and I just wonder, like, will we ever see them address... They're not going to do it in a patch, I doubt, but will we ever see a sequel where it can be addressed? Like, 31,000... Not so hot, so time will tell. And I can't help but wonder, did the bad reviews or, or the mixed reviews contradict, basically, or counteract all the marketing that Nintendo did to build positive buzz? Because like, we played the demo, and my first impression coming out of the demo was, oh my god, it's actually really fun, I can't wait to buy this. And then the reviews came out, and I know a lot of people who may have had the same mindset about the demo are like, yeah, I'm not going to buy it, never mind. Like, yeah. it's, I don't know, it's it's tricky. But we'll get to Codename Steam in a sec, just to sum up MPD real quick. Um... I guess it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, on the one hand, Nintendo had lots of success stories. Mario Party 10, sales being up for hardware. But then they also had some kind of unfortunate failures like Fossil Fires and Steam. And it, it almost kind of feels like they can't properly market the Wii U and 3DS side by side. Because, like, if they focus on one, the other one kind of falls apart. Like, just, just think about it. Like, in February... They pushed the 3DS really hard. They had Majora's Mask and Monster Hunter and whatnot, and all those sold really well. In March, they went, okay, not marketing anything for 3DS. Codename Steam, Falsifiers. Uh, we marketed you a little before, but I guess you're on your own now. It's cool. We're going to focus on Mario Party 10 for a while. And then they kind of did a lot of stuff for Mario Party 10. 
and then that sold well, and the Wii U, you know, sales were at 82,000, so that's good. And then, like, it just pivoted. It just, it, then you need to hire more people I don't, to do both? Yeah, I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't think that's the only thing. It's just kind of a funny observation. Like, there's obviously other things at play. There's, you know, interest in the games, the style of the franchises, the appeal of the games themselves. There's a lot of stuff taken into consideration. You know, established franchises versus new, like, in February, Zelda's very established, Monster is established. In March, Codename Steam obviously isn't established in the same way. Fossil Fire is less so. So Bloodborne got two, but that's like a new franchise. And that, yeah, but that's Sony, and they put a ton of marketing yeah. into that. But but my point was like I'm sure there's other factors involved in Nintendo. It's just funny how clean of a flip flop that was. Where it's like, oh, in February, 3DS did great, and Wii U did whatever. Kirby didn't get much attention. In March, Wii U did great, but then Fossil Fire and Codename Steam didn't get much attention. Like I don't I don't think it's as simple as that. It's just kind of my observation, but. But yeah, so overall, it was an interesting MPD. Uh, Mar- April's probably going to be a bit quieter. I'm curious how Xenoblade's uh, Chronicles 3D does. I was about to say, like, did anything even get released in April? Uh, yeah, Xenoblade got released about a week ago. Any new games? No. So, I'm curious what Xenoblade, if Xenoblade even charts. I suspect, I mean, it has such a limited market. It's a niche game to begin with. It's on a system that not as many people own. It needs the new 3DS. So, it'll, it'll be definitely interesting to see. I think Mar- May, we're going to see some big numbers, hopefully big numbers for Splatoon. But I'm curious if, like, in April, if, like, the Mewtwo DLC bumps up Smash Bros. sales, or if, like, Mario Kart 8's DLC bumps up Mario Kart sure some sales. people bought, like, that were waiting for Mewtwo or waiting yeah. for something, like, probably jumped in, I don't know. Yeah, or, like, even just renewed interest. Someone may have gotten a, somehow, somewhere, someone, a casual player may have bought Wii U, not really known much about Mario Kart 8, and seeing all this revived attention around it, and they're like, oh, right, I need Mario Kart 8. So, it'll be interesting. But that kind of brings us to the final segment of, like the final final segment of the show which is Codename Steam that's what we're playing that's what I've been playing for the past month full steam ahead and uh, yeah full steam ahead was going to be our original episode title in fact but now you don't have the game and you've only played the demo which we talked about in the past so yeah. I guess I'll just kind of launch to my I have thoughts I have many thoughts but feel free to interject um, you just heard they fixed that issue that pretty much almost everyone had yeah the load times but you yeah. see that's only part of it I mean Codename Steam is kind of a hard game to talk about I feel like because there's so much to like. There's so many clever ideas. It, I mean, first of all, it's by the strategy pros at Intelligent Systems. They do this. This is the, what they live and breathe. Like, this is this is their lifeblood. And they're really good at strategy games. And yet, there's so, some weird design choices that kind of hinder the experience in ways you wouldn't really expect. Or they just make things, like, overly difficult for no reason. That just kind of bothered me. It's... I mean, I think the best example is, like, what you said about the end returns. Um, they unfortunately took forever. I'm talking like 45 seconds to a minute. Over a minute. It is bad. And Nintendo did release a patch. They did address it. Um, and it is much, much better now. I'm not going to lie. If you're playing on a regular 3DS, you can make the turns go in double time. If you're playing on a new 3DS, you get to do triple time, primarily because the extra processor can run it faster. And I'm, it's noticeable. I'm talking like you have an enemy turn that goes from 45 seconds to like under 10. Or like 30 se- I guess 30 seconds to under 10 would be more accurate math. But it's at least triple time, maybe even faster. So... It's it's no it's nice it's noticeable and the thing is, it makes the enemy turns just long enough to be useful without being a nuisance, which was the problem before because they just became a nuisance. But but first I guess I guess first let me back up. Uh, I should explain why these enemy turns are useful and important before like talking about like how they change. I mean regardless of length, they are actually really important. Um, so for those unfamiliar, I'm gonna back up really far here. For those unfamiliar, Codename Steam is a turn-based strategy game. It uh it plays like a behind the back third person perspective. It's almost kind of an action game in that regard. You're using steam to power everything you do, your movement, your weapons, your secondary weapons, everything is steam based. And 
it's almost like action points, like those sort of things, RPGs, where every step you take, every weapon you use, moves your steam meter down. And what you want to do is, if you can, you want to try and not use up all your steam, and then have some steam ready to go, because you have a special thing in this game called Overwatch, which is an ability when it's an enemy's turn, because it is a turn-based strategy game. When it's an enemy's turn, they can essentially... Interrupt. You can interrupt them, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, and it's end their turn, and they have that too. Yes. So when you're moving around and you get caught in some other line of sight and they hit you, you pretty much lose your turn and you're like... Exactly. And that line of sight thing actually is really crucial to the game. I would say the Overwatch thing, it doesn't... You're kind of like, oh, that's a nice perk, but it actually becomes pretty crucial as you play through because, like, there'll be times when an enemy pops up out of nowhere and you're like, oh, okay, I, it's a good thing I could shoot him. And that actually... Um, that actually kind of factors into my bigger problem, the fact that enemies pop up. But anyway, anyway, as in any strategy game, you're controlling multiple units at once. So you can have up to four on your team, uh, or your squad, or whatever you want to call it on it on any given stage. And the way the developers, I feel like, intended for you to use them, they're kind of supposed to get a sense of the enemy placement and the lay of the land by having your squad members kind of fan out. I feel like they almost kind of reward this by putting, like, there's things to collect in every stage. You collect cogs, you can collect upgrades. And those are tucked away in a lot of like corners and nooks and crannies. So they're really trying to hold, like trying to push you in the direction of fan out, explore everything, look at every nook and cranny. Because by doing that, you're getting a sense of how the level's laid out. Because there's no overhead map, and that means that during enemy turns, um, those in many ways become the indicators where enemies actually are. Because if you don't see them when you're doing your turn, you will see them when they do their turn sometimes. Because the enemy turn animation show you where they are in a way. What how it works is the camera will stay with your squad members. You can rotate between the four squad members, it'll automatically move to the one closest to the enemy moving at that time. It makes sense. When they're in front of you and you can see them, you know, you see them scamper by in the distance, you'll see them get in a new like position to shoot at you next turn or whatever, that all is fine. But then where the problem comes in is sometimes there's a wall or an obstacle or a thing that just blocks your vision. So instead of looking at an enemy move, you're watching the camera pan along a wall, cut to another wall, pan along that wall, and then go to your third squad, a third squad member who has a box in front of them, and you can't see past that either. And that's where people are complaining about the wait times, I feel like, is they're just watching walls. And hearing like cool a that you have to, movement. I feel it's kind of cool that you actually have to like make a priority to like maybe get someone on a vantage point. Yes, and then that's just, like, something I, I think they it almost sounds like, oh, okay, you don't want to be staring at a wall? Well, that's part of the strategy. You yes. have to get your eyes out there. Yeah, and that's actually something I wanted to bring up, is I think that, um, I think the fact that they do promote that is good, but it's almost like that's where the problem itself lies in many ways. Because, well, first I should say that um, there are times that Emmy's kind of playing up what you're saying about how, like, you know, you have to go find the vantage point. Which means there are times that if you don't find it, the enemy's just going to pop up in your face and kill you right then and there. You're like, what, what the hell? Where'd that come from? But um, but yeah, my, my real issue with the game is Intelligent Systems has this great system in place that you kind of described where it's like, oh, it's about you find the vantage point, and then they don't even follow it themselves all the time. The system they built, they kind of ignore. So just to be clear, I think what they're trying to do, I think I can understand what they're trying to do here. I think what Intelligent Systems is kind of saying is that like, well, not really saying, but doing is, it, you've played Advanced Wars, right? Have yeah. you ever played Advanced Wars? Do you remember in, in many of the games they had the uh, fog of war mechanic? Basically, I'll refresh your memory. Essentially, a part of the map's hidden. And oh, you're only, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're only able to, um, the only identification of what's going on in that part of the map, which is under a cloud, because it's a top down map, is the camera moves and you hear enemies move. Similar to Codename Steam, just 2D top down overhead. I think what they're trying to do is a 3D fog of war. The difference is, like, you know, because they're like, oh, well, if you don't see it, that's the fog of war, dude. That's that's how it is. Like, you can't see everything. You only have two eyes. And in, in Advanced Wars, it's like, oh, well, that's how it is. There's a cloud. 
If you're flying above overhead and there's fog, tough, you have to deal with it. Differences in advanced wars, you could send scouts into the fog, you could scout units, and their sole purpose was to go into the fog, and when they go there, fog would dissipate around them. Not the entire cloud of fog, but a good enough chunk that you could get a sense of where enemies are. Where Codename Steam goes wrong, I feel like, is they went, oh cool, let's do fog of war in 3D, it'll be behind, our logic will be it's behind the back, you're looking forward, you can only see what your eyes can see, but there's where the problem is, is that you have no way of having a scout of sorts go in. You have to use one of your four members, and if they die, that actually could greatly harm your progress. You have to still follow their line of sight. It's a three. You can move the camera 360 degrees around them. That's fine. You can walk them around, walk them back, and you know it doesn't hurt against your units of measure of movement until you hit A and do it. But at the end of the day, they're saying let's do fog of war, but not give you what you need to successfully navigate through fog of war, unless or let me rephrase. They do give it to you, but not every time. And that's where the verticality thing that you said comes in, I feel like. Because a lot of the levels do a great job of building up this idea that, oh, yeah, there's 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 depth. You're playing on 3DS. Go up high, look down, and there's some really cool 3D effect, and you get a layer of the land. You can have one guy go up one side, one guy go up another side, another guy find a thing in the middle, and have one guy tra you know traverse along the bottom, and you can get a sense of exactly where enemies are. Problem is, not every level does that. In fact, there's a good number that don't. So there's some levels where there's no verticality, and you're just like, uh, so how do I circumvent the fog of war you created? You didn't really give me a way to do it unless I risk, you know, do the gamble yeah. just moving forward. So in those situations, my logic is I'll just go really slow. And I can at least pinpoint the enemies based on how many, you know, if they scatter back and forth in the same spot or whatever. Problem with that is they also implemented a system where if you take too long, because there is no time limit, you um, have enemies spawn behind you pretty frequently or come in from the sides or jump in from a, a thing that wasn't there before or whatever. So it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Either you run and gun and you die, or you wait and die. Like, there's no real... So it's only some levels. And I want to be clear, when the level design is good and takes advantage of the verticality and they really do the, the fog of war thing right, it's really fun and really awesome. There's just some times when it doesn't do that and it just gets kind of frustrating because it's like, no matter what I do, I can't proceed in the way they want me to. So I, I I mean it sounds like I'm sounds like I'm bashing the game pretty hard, but beyond just that, if you look past the like oh well there's no verticality but they want me to use verticality for fog of war but what do I do? If you're willing to move past that point and can get through those handful of levels that pop up every so often, it's actually a really fun game and I like a lot about it and I almost say the pros probably outweigh the cons with the game because I mean like the level design when it works is really great. Uh, the entire mishmash of or mashup of like action and strategy is pretty cool. Like little things like you're playing like a third person shooter sometimes because you're you're manually aiming your gun and you're hitting weak spots and it kind of has that action vibe. But then simultaneously it's turn based and you can kind of plot your lay of the land and different characters have different abilities and different secondary weapons and it's all like it's really well thought out in that regard. And it's just I don't know. It's just those sometimes the, the verticality, the lack of verticality with the implementation of let's do 3D Fog of War, it's just kind of like, you guys forgot to connect your dots. There was a Fog but, of War that I actually enjoyed. It was fun. I like Fog of War a lot in Advanced um, Wars. It works great. So in Star Fox Command, we actually had to like clean up the fog oh, with, with the stylus. Yeah. And every turn, like the fog gets kind of starts to creep in again, so mm -hmm. it starts to like conceal things again. But yeah. No, no, it was fun. Yeah, no, that, yeah, see, that one worked too. The problem, but again, that one's like, there's more... And the fog, the there's more to the fog than just your character and what they see. Yeah. Or there's more, there's a way to dissipate the fog. And that's what Advance Wars did, and this one doesn't. But I did mention the characters and their abilities. I should probably point out, it's pretty great. 
I mean, the the way they did this, they're a mix of historical the figures and fictional Wizard figures. Of what? The entire Wizard of Oz cast. Yeah, yeah, and like they do that, and they have like historic figures thrown into. It's just like a really fun mix, and it's super goofy. It's pretending it's like Silver Age of comics, comic book vibe. Uh, it's not just the characters; the story's very tongue in cheek and and well written. And yeah, I'd say the presentation as a whole is just really good. It's, uh, I mean, even, even first of all, the tongue in cheek, or sorry, not tongue in cheek, the Silver Age comic book vibe in screenshots. It looks awful. If you look at a screenshot codename Steam Drag, I don't know what's happening. There's colors and weird squared off things everywhere. But when you have it on in 3D, it looks super good. I mean, it, they really take advantage of the fact that, like, you know, 3DS is limited power, but here's what we can do to make it look good. And especially when you're doing the vertical stuff. I know I said this before, but, like, the top-down stuff, when you're looking down stage and it's all sprawled out in front of you, it looks super good and uses the 3D quite well. Also, there's voice acting, which is kind of surprising and nice. And it got real voice actors. Um... I think it's worth mentioning a few of them. I mean, Will Wheaton plays Abe Lincoln. There's Michael Dorn, who's also from Star Trek. Uh, there's even uh, the guy that does Finn on Adventure Time. Oh, he okay. is one of the voices as well. So it's just kind of cool that they got real people. They also, kind of funny, they got Adam Baldwin, who is an actor. He was on Chuck. He was on Firefly. But he's most known these days. Dirty Rock? No, that's Alec Baldwin. Adam Baldwin. Oh. He uh, These days, Adam Baldwin is mostly known as a guy that was super involved in Gamergate on the side of the people that were like attacking the women and whatnot. Now I'm not saying everyone that shared the views with him attacked women, but I'm saying the side that was synonymous with the women attacking is the side that Adam Baldwin was not only on but propagating and spreading the word about and whatnot. And what's funny about that is Will Wheaton was on the opposite side of Gamergate. And then both of them were in this game. So when Will Wheaton was announced as a voice cast uh, voice cast member, everyone that was like pro gamergate for lack of a better term was like, "No, no, I'm not buying this because Will Wheaton's it." Then when Adam Baldwin was announced, all the you know anti gamergate folk were like, "No, I'm not buying this because Adam Baldwin's in it." And it's just like, first of all, if they're both in it, they should in theory cancel out. And secondly, these voices were probably <laughs> recorded a year or two ago, so you're not really taking a stand here because they were already paid. It's already dealt with. If that's why you didn't buy the game, go buy the game. It's okay. Like, first of all, again, they cancel out. You're not, you're helping, it's equal, whatever. The point is, um, it's kind of cool I got a full, full, uh, full voice cast. And there's actually a lot of content to be had, too, because you have the full story mode. There's also online multiplayer. Nintendo's doing tournaments every couple weeks right now, which is pretty cool. And if you have the Marth or any of the Fire Emblem Amiibo, you can import them into the game, and that's a whole different experience. They actually die in mid-game and don't come, or in mid-level and don't come back till the end, much like in Fire Emblem. And I couldn't try it myself because I, while I do have a new 3DS XL and do fully take advantage of the excellent C-stick camera controls, I um, don't have a Marth Amiibo, so I couldn't try it. But it's cool that it's there. It just adds more value to the package. So to sum it up, because I feel like I've been rambling for a while, and thank you for indulging me, everyone. To sum it up, I think um, I think Steam has a lot going for it, and it, it just kind of falls into a trap that it could have avoided with the level design. Because like when levels play with verticality, verticality, yeah, Vercali. Yeah, right. when they play with it well, when they use it well, the levels work great and it makes perfect sense. But when they forget to put the verticality, it can get a little frustrating. Can be a little less fun. Be kind of annoying. It's almost like in those situations, it's almost like you just have to go. Well, I'll just go go forward, see what happens, and hope the AI works in my favor. But those are few and far between. The majority of the game is really fun, and it shouldn't... I don't think those one-offs, while a little annoying, are going to ruin your overall experience or enjoyment of the game. It's going to, every so often, drag a bit. So, 
I'd say if you're looking for a new strategy game, if you're looking for something new to sink your teeth into on 3DS, this is probably a good choice. But if you're short, pa if you're short, if you have short fuse, if you don't have a lot of patience, if you easily get annoyed at some game design decisions, may maybe go play the demo first. It doesn't really have the verticality issue as much because the demo doesn't really give you um, the full breadth of what the game becomes. But it, but it's it's there in hints. So there's hints of it. So go try that, see what you think. But if you if you can put up with a little annoyance every now and then, I would say check out Codename Steam. If nothing else, the existence of the game deserves to be rewarded because it does so much right. It's just unfortunate that some of the things it does wrong detract from everything it does right. But that's my two cents. I'm enjoying the game. Issues aside, I know I harp more on the negative than the positive, but the positive, everyone kind of knows what it's about. So it's that fog of war thing that really popped out at me. It's kind of like, that's weird. But overall, yeah, I, I do enjoy the game. So, that's my take on Code Maybe I'll get it one day. I don't know. The enemy turn thing being faster, even verticality thing inside, the enemy turn thing faster makes it so much more enjoyable. So, yeah, I mean, if you like the demo, check it out. Check it out. But, uh, unless there's anything you wanted to add, I think that pretty much does it for this episode. No, no, no. Uh, can you go much higher pitch? Yeah. Guess you can. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to be back on May 4th. Four. Can't believe we're almost in. Sorry, May third, and we're almost in May. That's insane. Our next episode's in May. But yeah, we're gonna be Something back. Something comes out May first. Uh, Avengers. Oh. Yeah. Age of Ultron. But yeah, I we'll thought, be back. So after you go see out. Avengers, you, or Avengers. <laughs> after you go see Avengers, come check out our latest episode, which will be up on May third. And as mentioned earlier, we're gonna have full impressions of the Mario Kart Eight DLC Pack Two. We're going to have uh, our impressions of the new Street Pass games for 3DS, which are out like literally very recently. So we need to actually go street pass to try them so we'll do that uh we're going to be doing a giveaway in our next episode our next episode is kind of like a dlc themed episode so keep an eye out because we're gonna be giving you some a mewtwo code potentially uh and of course we're gonna have all the latest news and whatnot so the easiest way to make sure you don't miss the episode as always subscribe to us on itunes uh we're under random time podcast you can also if you like what you heard feel free to leave a review and rate us we'd appreciate it as it will help us move up the totem pole of rankings and ratings and and download count and whatnot. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo to stay in the loop on all our updates, be it podcasts or other content, such as our recent extra, which was um, all about WonderCon. Well, not all about, but photos of WonderCon, including unreleased Amiibo, Amiibo from the future. So, yeah, go find that on the site if you're curious and stay tuned for more. Um, you can also see what me and Jose are up to individually in the gaming world or our thoughts on random other stuff that you probably don't care about like Lincoln Park in my case. I'm uh, JSR7, Jose is Wero, W-E-R-R-O underscore O. That's also his uh, Meverse handle. You can find to follow him. You can find me at Jason R on, it easy. On, that, uh, on that wonderful Nintendo show's social network. And yeah, that pretty much does it. So we'll be back in two weeks' time on May 3rd. And uh, in the meantime, there's a lot of DLC to play. So go do that. Man.